Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, it was just over. Recorded We don't know what God tells us to do, and then we always want to put the blame somewhere. We see the same situation with Abraham and Sarah. Let us go there for just a moment. Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. And Sarah got a bright idea about how to solve her problem. I know what we'll do. So she gave her handmaiden to Abram, told her to go have intercourse with her. How many of you ladies know that wasn't very bright? Any sane woman would know that that's a problem waiting to happen. That's it. That just to be fair, you know. This was something that occurred back in those days at different times, but that was not what God had told them to do. He said, I'm going to give you a child from your own body. But they didn't want to what? W-A-I-T. Wait <laughs> and be patient. So just a few verses here to get the point across. Verse 3, so Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her Egyptian maid, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his second wife. And he had intercourse with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when she saw that she was with child, she looked with contempt upon her mistress and despised her. Now she got a second wife with an attitude. (laughs) Then Sarah said to Abram, here it comes. May the responsibility for my wrong and the deprivation of my rights be upon you. I gave my maid into your bosom, and when she saw that she was with child, I have now become contemptible and despised in her eyes. It's your fault, Abram. Blame. Got to blame somebody else. For years and years, I've blamed all my bad behavior on the fact that I've been abused. For years, I blamed, I blamed, I blamed. It was never my fault. It was always somebody else. It was always something else. I blame my unhappiness on something else. And I spent a lot of years going around and around the same stupid mountain. It's not my fault. It's this, it's that. If I had more money, I'd be happy. If I had a bigger house, I'd be happy. If, 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 if my back didn't hurt, I'd be happy. I was never going to be happy no matter what I had because there was a problem in me. I had a problem, and I needed to stop blaming it on everybody else. And maybe, just maybe, this is helping somebody here in the room today or maybe somebody who's watching my TV. Any sin can be forgiven. But not until you face truth. Truth and mercy meet together. 
Can't have mercy without truth. That's what repentance is. It's coming to a place of truth. You don't have to feel condemned. You don't have to feel guilty. But you do have to face it and give it to God. No matter how ugly it is, face it, call it what it is, give it to God, and learn how to fast track through the wilderness and enjoy the wonderful life that Jesus died to give you. I'm going to ask people today, please stop blaming everything in your life on somebody else. I'm not going to go on for a minute because that's got to settle. Please stop blaming your bad attitude on your circumstances. As believers, we are supposed to be able to have bad circumstances and keep a good attitude. Oh, yes, we love to think about Jesus. Jesus the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Well, guess where he lives? In you. And in me. And he lives in us to equip us to go out in the world and behave the same way that he behaved in the same kind of situations that he was in. To be an example. Well, all we've got an excuse for everything. Nothing's our fault. The Bible says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. There's always grace available. There's always God's goodness available free of charge, but not until we face truth. I dare not stay with that or I'll not get done for sure. Wrong thought pattern number seven. I feel sorry for myself because I've got so many problems. Self-pity is the most useless emotion. You can be addicted to self-pity. And every time you don't get your way, the first response you have is to feel sorry for yourself. Self-pity, now you're not going to like this, but it's true, is idolatry. Why, Sister Joyce, I wouldn't worship an idol. When we're full of self-pity, we turn in on ourselves and idolize ourselves. And all we can think about is me, 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 me. That's all we think about. What you did to me. What I'm not, what you're not doing for me. What's happening to me. Please, 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 when something doesn't go your way and you can feel that. Go, no, 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 no. I cannot be pitiful and powerful. I am not going to sit here and waste this day feeling sorry for myself all day. God will take care of me. If I trust God, God will take care of me. Now, let me just finish this off by simply saying, not the whole thing I'm finishing off at this point. Many of you are not getting a breakthrough simply because you will not give up self-pity. Feeling sorry for ourselves does not move the hand of God. Only faith moves God. 
and faith is a positive, hopeful expectation that something good is going to happen to me at any moment. Amen? Can't feel sorry for yourself. I love to read the story about Zacchaeus in Luke 19. I don't have time to go there, but I'll just tell it to you. Jesus was coming to town, and Zacchaeus, along with all the rest of the crowd, wanted to see him. But Zacchaeus was a little short guy, and he couldn't see over the people. And, you know, we all fall short in some way. (laughs) So I think Zacchaeus, there's more to that story than just the fact that he wasn't as tall as everybody else. I think there's a message there for us. We all come up short in some way. Well, instead of feeling sorry for himself and sitting down, everybody else gets to see Jesus. I can't see Jesus because I'm short. Man, what a bummer it is to be short. I miss everything in life just because I'm short. Now, the Bible says that Zacchaeus ran on ahead of the rest of the crowd and climbed up in a tree so he could see Jesus. I think some of you need to climb a tree. You need to quit blaming where you fell short and what you don't have and just find some way around what you think is your misfortune or your so-called inability. Zacchaeus climbed a tree so when Jesus came, he could see it better than anybody else. But here's the amazing thing. The Bible says that as Jesus walked by, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus in the tree. Wonder why his attention was called to the tree. Something in Zacchaeus' determined spirit spoke to something in the spirit of Jesus. And when you have determination in your spirit rather than self-pity, you will attract the attention of Jesus. And you know what he said to Zacchaeus? Come on down here. I'm going to go to your house for dinner today. What's going Come on. Well, let's don't forget, he had to climb a tree. Well, climb a tree? I can't climb a tree. That's too hard. I can't climb a tree. What if I fall? <laughs> Maybe I should have the props team make me a tree so I can climb it in these meetings. And then... Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop blaming. Start looking for open doors. Start looking for opportunities. Start being creative. It doesn't matter what you were. Stop talking about what I was and start talking about what I am. You know, I was abused, but I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You might say, well, I was a prostitute. But you could say, I am a new creature in Jesus Christ. Old things pass away, and all things become brand new. Don't talk anymore about what you was. Start talking about who you are in Jesus. (laughs) I just make myself so happy when I preach. (laughs) Wrong thought pattern number eight. I've made too many mistakes to be blessed. Why is that a lie from the pit of hell? Ephesians 1. We can get everything we need here right out of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. 
Question. Three through five. May blessing, praise, laudation, and eulogy be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual given by the Holy Spirit blessing in the heavenly realm. He doesn't bless us because we deserve it. He blesses us because we're in Christ. Even as in his love he chose us, picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be wholly consecrated and set apart for him and blameless in his sight. Verse 5, for he foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will. Why? Because it pleased him and was his kind intent. God doesn't bless anybody because they deserve it. Because none of us deserve it. He blesses us because he can't help himself. He's just a blesser. And when you start receiving that kind of free love and free grace from God, then all of a sudden you can begin to go out in the world and you can love people, not because they deserve it, but just because you can't stand it if you don't bless somebody. Instead of having impatience fits, now I have blessing fits. I do. You don't want to get around me on a day when I'm having a blessing fit because you're going to get blessed. I'm going to buy you something. I'm going to give you something. I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to edify you. I'm going to make you feel better before you get away from me than you did when you finished. Because I just can't help it. I'm in a blessing fit. But I had to learn how to receive that from God. I tell God all the time, you got anything you want to do for anybody today? Here I am. I'm a little spiritual pig. I'll take it all. <laughs> all you got to know is know your position in Christ and ask. Ask. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ever dare. The whole fast would think we dare to have the boldness of approaching the, the throne of grace freely. You can be daring in your relationship with God. Not disrespectful, but bold. Not because you do everything right, but because you worship the one who has done everything right. How I many of you know you don't deserve to be blessed? Well, I want you to start asking God all day long. God, I know I don't deserve it, but bless me. I'm expecting you to bless me. I'm waiting for you to bless me. I'm waiting for breakthrough. I'm expecting you to give me favor everywhere that I go. I'm expecting you to open doors for me. I'm expecting the best job. I'm expecting the best pay. I'm expecting the best seat in this restaurant, not because I deserve it, but because I serve a great and a mighty God. And I might add, if you're not going to ask for it, you're not going to get it. You have not because you ask not. Wrong thought pattern number nine. I want what you have. I'm jealous. You know, the Israelites, Miriam and Aaron, they were even jealous of Moses. They wanted his authority. They wanted his position. The Bible says that in Proverbs 14:30 that envy and jealousy is like rottenness to the bones. 
jealousy, envy. Got to be careful about jealousy. Last week, I detected some jealous thoughts coming into my brain. And I love having the Holy Spirit active in my life to point those things out to me so I don't just have to sit around and let the devil fill my head full of junk. And every time that the devil puts a jealous thought in my mind about somebody, I pray for them to be blessed. I'm not going to put up with it. I am not going to put up with it. Get thee behind me, Satan. I am not going to be jealous of anybody else. I will not. I will not, I will not, I will not let that roll around in my brain and take root in me. Well, don't get stuck in what I call a wilderness mindset. You know, you can break through by believing that something good is going to happen to you today. Today we're offering Battlefield of Mind, updated edition of the book. It's so good. So many people love Battlefield of Mind. And today you're also going to get a study guide and even a beautiful blue bling pen to write with. We want you to study, to read, and to learn how you can think like God thinks and have great victory in your life. Now stay with us because right after this I want to talk to you about something that's important to this ministry. A war is raging. Your mind is the battlefield. The enemy attacks with negative thoughts like worry, confusion, anger, and depression. You can fight back and stand in victory with the king. In the updated edition of Battlefield of the Mind, you'll learn about the spiritual weapons God gives us. This book will help you win the battles in your mind, find freedom, and enjoy peace. The book Battlefield of the Mind was probably one of the most transformational books that I've read. Boost your transformation with the Battlefield of the Mind Study Guide. For your donation of $25 or more, you'll receive Battlefield of the Mind Updated Edition, the Study Guide, and the Joyce Meyer Ministries Pen. Arm yourself today by calling 1-800-727-9673 or visit us at JoyceMeyer.org. So the Bible is God's manual to help us navigate life. But life often gets in the way of knowing the Bible, finding the time, knowing where to begin, and discovering what this all means to you. We understand, and we'd like to help. At JoyceMeyer.org slash study, you'll find free resources to help you get more out of the Bible, whether you're a new Christian or have been walking with Christ for years. So jump in today. The Word. It's free, it's mobile, and it's tailored for you at JoyceMeyer.org. For your donation today of any amount, we'd like to say thank you with the books of Psalms and Proverbs from the new Battlefield of the Mind Study Bible. Contact us right now, 1-800-727-9673, or go to JoyceMeyer.org. Well, you know, we're very busy here at the ministry trying to do absolutely everything that we can to help people all over the globe. And we're asking you to help us do that by becoming a ministry partner with us. And, you know, the way that you can do that is just by praying for us and also making a financial commitment, something that you're going to do on a regular basis that's going to help us continue reaching out to these people. And I believe when you do that, you're not only blessing us, but I believe you're also blessing yourself. I hopefully and prayerfully am feeding you the Word of God on a regular basis. I believe that you enjoy it, that it's making good changes in your life. And so I'm partnering with you in your spiritual growth. And by helping us financially, you can partner with us 
in continuing to bring you the gospel and also bringing it to other people all over the globe. You'll also come under our prayer covering. We have intercessors in our prayer room five days a week, all day long, praying for the needs of our partners. And so if you'd like to know more about partnership with us, you can get online and check it out. You can call the office. Any, any questions that we can answer, we'll be happy to answer. But we would love to have your partnership. We don't require any certain amount of money to partner with us. We just simply ask that you'll be diligent, committed, and faithful. Thank you for your prayerful consideration, and we'll look forward to hearing from you. I felt like that God had put on my heart it was time to stop the Bible study. And the word I got was, behold, I do a new thing. Well, I felt for sure it's time for my promotion, man. We're going to, something great's going to happen now. And so for one year, nothing happened. And that was a very testing, confusing year for me. I didn't understand, well, what is going on? Is God finished with me now? Did I make a mistake in, in stopping? But so many things we don't understand until after we walk through them. I always like to say that we live life forward, but we only understand it backwards. Thank you, friends and partners. Together, we're sharing the love of Christ around the world. To find out more, please contact us or visit us online at JoyceMeyer.org. Join us in partnership as we share the love of Christ around the globe. The proceeding was paid for by the friends and partners of Joyce Meyer Ministries. You cannot blame and be blessed at the same time. You can play the blame game or you can be blessed, but you can't be both. There's power and truth in the words of the song. Everything that God wants. I just decided that it's time to sing this song. It's never going to depend on how I'm feeling, but it's going to always be declaring the truth of who God is. Join us in Worship on Hillsong. Introducing the Hillsong Team Box, an exclusive monthly subscription that delivers everything Hillsong directly to your door. I would love you to come out of a subscription where we will send you a Team Box. In other words, every month you will get all sorts of books, resources, information that will help you to feel like you're part of that team and will help us to take this great message forward. This is Hillsong.com forward slash team to join today. This conference is about the Church of Jesus Christ rising in its stature and the harvest. What if you started to dream? Like you really believe that God has gone before you? How would church look? We can win our city. We can change the world. We can touch this nation. challenges for us is not to just keep depending on what's proven and what's tried and what's established. We have to keep believing God to stretch us and to keep stepping into the untried, the unproven, the unknown. May nation be impacted eternally because, Father, we heard from you here. I'm <laughs> sorry.
if you just shake that thing off and don't let it stop you. It might bite you, but don't let it stop you. <laughs> it might try to hurt you, but just don't let it stop you. Just shake it off through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come to a place that brought me safe from far, and grace will lead me. When you find yourself in a storm, and you will, steer by the Spirit, not by your senses. And it's so easy to steer by your senses because we're trained to walk by what we see. God will warn you, but he will never create worry within you. When God warns you, he'll give you a specific instruction, and it'll mobilize you and make you stronger. When the enemy threatens you, he won't make you stronger. He'll make your faith weaker. I need to tell you that when you ignore God's warnings, you will always suffer loss. Your life is being steered by something. And if you steer your life by your senses, you'll end up in trouble. But your feelings can't forecast the future. Only God's Spirit can. And so you've got to learn how to steer by the Spirit. Fix your focus and keep up your courage. The ship's going down, but keep your courage up. How do you keep your courage up when the ship's going down? It's the essence of faith. My life, my faith, my hope is not in my circumstance. My hope is not in this boat. My hope is in my God. And he didn't promise me that he would save the boat. He didn't promise me that I would never cry. He promised me when I did, he'd dry every tear from my eye. He didn't promise me I would never hurt. He said, when you do hurt, you can lift your eyes to the hills from which cometh your help. Your help cometh from the Lord. My hope is not in this boat. If the boat goes down, my faith is in God. The boat might break. The relationship might not turn out like you want it to. And if your hope is in that boat, my friend, your faith won't make it. I remember in, in 2012 when my dad first started, I'm going to be delicate how I say this. I believe that my dad, when, when he was diagnosed with ALS, I believe he lost his mind from a combination of the pain of the, of the disease, some of the medications that he was on, and just the fear of the whole process. The disease itself wasn't affecting his mind, but I, I believe that something happened to him for a period of about 10 months. Um, the most difficult challenge our family has ever been through. He left us, and he went to go live by himself, and when he first did he was so despondent, we all knew he was suicidal, and he had said as much. And when he left, and there was nothing I could do to get him to stay, and there was nothing I could do to bring him back. And sometimes you've just done all that you can do. You've thrown all the cargo off the ship. You've thrown all the tackle off the ship. You've thrown all the stuff off, and, 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 and that, that beating keeps coming. And I was, 
I was contemplating the fact that my dad could very well kill himself, and and what was a good relationship with him will end with him being by himself, and there's nothing any of us can do about it. And one night in particular, the fear became so strong in my own heart that that would happen that, and I wrote about this in the book, but I didn't name the situation, and now I'm telling you the situation behind the story. I, I remember that the thoughts were coming. So Sometimes you can't solve your own problems within your own mind. You've got to get outside of yourself and let somebody else talk to you about it. And I called this counselor that I knew of that I had never uh, talked to before. And I said, you deal with high-pressure situations all the time. I, I, I think my, my dad may very well kill himself tonight or tomorrow. And uh, you know all the things that start happening in your mind when you're facing a desperate situation. And fear's greatest hit is called what if. What if, 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 what if. And it'll lead you down all these paths, all these problems, all these predicaments. And I was telling the counselor, I'm afraid he's going to kill himself. And I expected him to say, he's not going to do that. Just calm down. Be rational. But what he did instead was one of the greatest gifts anybody's ever given me. It was a gift of perspective, and I've never forgotten it. He said, Stephen, what if he does? What if he does? He may. We hope he won't. We pray that he won't. But what if he does? And I said, um, that would be the hardest thing that I've ever gone through. It would be terrible. And he said, right, it would be a nightmare. It would be a living hell. It would, you would never be the same. It would wreck you. But, he said, would God get you through it? This is where fear either takes over our life or we push back against it and realize that, catch this phrase, even if the worst-case scenario plays out. God will be there when the boat breaks. And I used to think that, I used to think that fighting fear was all about pushing it back. That's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. Just I need to be more optimistic. And I do think it's important that we don't walk around all the time playing out the worst possible scenarios in our head because most of the things we worry about never even happen. I like how Joyce Meyer says it. She says, I'm going to do my best Joyce impression. She says, worry is down payment on a problem you may never even have. <laughs> I know my impression wasn't good, but the quote was solid. Amen. We were watching a movie the other day. They said uh, on the movie, they said, most of the biggest challenges that you'll face in your life will be the result of things that never even crossed your worried mind. They will blindside you at 4.30 on a Thursday afternoon. You won't even have known that you needed to worry about them. Additionally, most of the things that we worry about create other problems that we didn't even know to worry about when we started worrying about the one that was never going to happen to begin with. <laughs> Worry has babies. <laughs> Worry creates all kinds of conflict that you are never going to have to face if you had turned it over to God in the first place. Far from solving your problems, it exponentially increases them. So I don't believe we should walk around in a state of worry just playing out all of our worst-case scenarios. But every once in a while, it's good to stare that fear in the face and say, well, what if, devil? What if, what if he does? You know, my dad did not end up taking his own life, and we got to celebrate the end of his life with him as painful as it was. We got to be there, and I thank God for that. But the gift 
of being able to go down to the bottom of that fear and saying, even if the worst thing happens, because sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. I know that's not the churchiest answer, but sometimes it does. When I announced the title of this message, many of you were excited. I said, it will happen. Wow! But what if it happened? The other it. I think it's a great gift when you find out, when you press down to the bottom of that and say, God would still be at the bottom. My faith is in God, not in the ship that I'm sailing on. What if, 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 stop. Well, what if? I remember telling Elijah one time, Elijah, if you keep jumping around like that, what if you break your bed? He said, well, what if? Here's what he knew. You can need another one. He can let me sleep on the floor. That's a great phrase. Well, what if? It's not going to happen, 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 but even if it does, it probably will, but even if it does, God would be there at the bottom. He's the God of the valley, too. And, and, and Paul said, and we might have to press stroke our way to the highlands, but we're not dying out here. Put the verse back up, I think it's verse 22. The last line of that verse after the semicolon, he says, only the ship will be destroyed. Now, is that encouraging or discouraging? Depends on which part of the sentence you focus on. If you start with, the ship will be destroyed, that's bad. But if you back up one word, only, what does that imply? The ship's going down, but boys, we're not. Only one word stands between fear and faith. Only one word. God, I'm preaching this now. But because when Jesus was buried in the ground, they thought it was over. So they got their boats back out and went fishing. Their faith was still in their boats. But when Jesus came walking to them on the water, he said, Boys, get out your boat. I got up out of the ground. The worst thing happened is they spit on me and killed me and called me dead. But on the third day I rose. I'm counting on him. Yes. One time, one time they wanted, they wanted to kill Paul, Don. They wanted to kill him. And so he, he had this, <laughs> so funny. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit torn. I'm a little bit conflicted. He said, part of me wants to live so I can tell more people about Christ. But there's this other part of me, I wouldn't mind seeing Jesus. Because I know it's going to be great. And so if I stay here, I'll just hang out with y'all and keep preaching. If I die, what are you going to do with a guy like this? Shipwreck, don't scare a guy like this. <laughs> It'll leave the boat. Even if I drown, I don't really die. Even if I drown, I don't really die. You catch it? He came that I might have eternal life. Even if this ship goes south, my faith will stand. Fix your focus and keep up your courage. 
It says in verse 41, it happens just like Paul predicted. The ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The ballast stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. And so the pounding keeps coming, but now Paul's not focused on the pounding. He's focused on his purpose. He's not focused on the pounding. He's focused on God's promise. And, and it says in verse 42, I felt sorry for Paul when I read this, the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners. Paul was one of them to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. Thanks a lot for saving our lives by being on this ship and praying to God, Paul. Now we're going to kill you. But how many of you know that when the enemy has a plan to take you out, God has a plan to keep you in? Look at verse 42. It says, verse 43, The centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them. Do you know how many things God has already kept from happening in your life? Do you know how many times he stepped in and intervened that you don't know about? Do you know how many times you would have been in a car wreck if you didn't have to go back to the house and pick up that one thing that you forgot and you didn't even see what would have happened at the stoplight when the guy who had been drinking, you're telling me you can't trust God now? He kept them. He kept them from carrying out their plan. Mm -hmm. And he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard and to get to land, and the rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. See, you're going to make it, but it just not might not be the way you imagined. He says, look at the next line. Don't you love studying the Bible? In this way, everyone reached land safely. Not the way they wanted to, not the most comfortable way, not the most convenient way. My faith isn't in how it will happen. My faith is in the God who said it would. I don't know how. I don't know when. We might have to grab a hold to a board and float in. We're going to make it, though. I'm going to make it. I might lose my job. I'll get another one. No, I mean, I'm not being convenient. I might have to finish my degree later. I might not be able to finish it right now. I'll make it. And, and so our, our faith is all wrapped up in the way we want it to happen. And any time it doesn't happen the way we planned it, looks like I'm not going to be able to retire now when I thought I would. Looks like I'm never going to get married now. I'm 17, I still don't have a man. (laughs) You know, dramatic people. (laughs) But they got to the shore, and you can make it if your faith isn't in the boat. You, You can make it if your faith is in the right place. Now I'm concluding. If you want this little... Little chapter 28 things, make some noise real quick. I got one more thing to show you. You chose wisely, because this is good. See, Paul makes it through the shipwreck, makes it through the storm, survives the assassination attempt, and then chapter 28, verse 1, you're expecting like a victory party, because it's the last book in chapter in the book of Acts, and so... The islanders are all going to, you know, open up some corona party on the beach like you see on the commercials. You know what I'm saying. Like, find your beach. And they're going to, it's going to be prisoners, man. They're not, it's not like a Christian meeting. It's not a Christian cruise ship. Okay. So they're going to party a little bit. But that's not what happens. Look, once, verse uh, 1, chapter 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. And the islanders showed us unusual kindness. Because when you get to the place where you're going that you didn't expect it, that you would ever end up, God will often have people there to do things for you that you couldn't have seen before you got there. So don't worry about 
who leads you on the way because God will always have somebody waiting in your future to help you accomplish what he's given you to do. They showed us unusual kindness, and they built a fire. And they, they built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold, so now we've got a fire going, everything's good. And so we're roasting marshmallows, singing kumbaya. Look, verse 3, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his head. Everybody say, poor Paul. <laughs> this guy, the hits keep coming. He's already on trial. He's already a prisoner. He's been through a shipwreck. And now here comes the snake. He builds a fire, just trying to be helpful. <laughs> and the heat from the fire drove out the snake. I did want to point out to you, as we round this corner into our final approach, that whenever you light a fire, you can expect some snakes to come out. So when your passion for God increases and you start burning bright for the things of God and you start trying to serve God and you start trying to commit to God, don't be surprised when it brings out the snakes. Because the same fire that warmed them is the same fire that drove out the snake that wanted to kill him. So the fire brings out the snakes. And it says in verse 4, when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. Now I don't notice anybody in the passage trying to help Paul get the snake off his hand. They're having a committee meeting about why the snake, I think he got bit by a snake because he did something wrong. They're pontificating about his problem. Worst thing in the world. And remember how I told you Luke was the one writing the book of Acts? You know, Luke was a, a medical doctor. And so I'm, I'm interested to see how he describes the snake bite. Look at verse 5. It's very succinct. It says, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. If I had time, and if I thought you could handle it, I would preach about shake the snake. If I thought you could handle it. <laughs> okay, just real quick then. Let's talk. Before we finish, let's talk about shake the snake and feed the fire. Shake the snake. you, you got to learn how to shake the snake and feed the fire. See, Paul didn't get bit by the snake and, 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 and scream. He doesn't get bit by the snake and stand there in a state of shock. Paul looks at the snake and he says, oh, this too? <laughs> and I'm going to ask myself, how did he have the presence of mind? Because I'm scared of snakes. How many of y'all are scared of snakes? Okay, turn to the person next to you who doesn't have their hand up and say, how does it feel to be stupid? Um, I'm just scared. So, so, if the snake bites me, I don't have the presence. But, but Paul, he knew something. He knew something. He, he had something. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God didn't bring me through that shipwreck to let me die from a snake bite. So I know what to do. Now, I'm using this 
as a metaphor. I'm saying that there are snakes that will attack your thinking. There are snakes that will attack your faith. Notice that God didn't let Paul step on the snake's head. That's how we want it. Show me the fear and I'll crush it. God says, no, got to let it bite you. Because I've got to prove to everybody around you that I can let the fear bite you and even try to attach itself to you. But you know what to do when the snake starts biting. I want to teach you to shake that snake. Shake that word. Shake that trouble. Shake that problem. Shake that bad report. Shake that test result. Shake, shake, shake. Three people around you say, shake that snake. Shake, shake it, shake it, shake it. Oh, one more thing. I can't leave this alone. It said not only did he shake the snake, but he shook it back in the same fire that made it come out to begin with. Now thinking about 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. Paul was preaching to Timothy when Timothy was under fire. And Timothy was facing some real hardship. And he said, Timothy, I want to remind you now, here it is, to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Shake it off. Or timidity. Shake it off. What are they going to think about me? Shake it off. What if it doesn't work out? God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but what? Of power and love and self-discipline. There's so much power in you that you can get fit and still not be stopped. That's when the people in your life will know there is a God. Shake it. Back into the same fire. Anytime you start pursuing God with a passion, don't be surprised when something slithers up to bite you. But if the shipwreck didn't kill you, <laughs> if God brought you this far, the same God who got you to this point, if you just shake that thing off and don't let it stop you, it might bite you, but don't let it stop you. <laughs> it might try to hurt you, but just don't let it stop you. Just shake it off. The hymn writer said, through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Plus grace that brought me thanks thus far, and grace will lead me home. Are you giving power to fear and anxiety in your mind today? You can't stop negative thoughts from coming, but you certainly can develop a plan for what to do when they show up. If you just let them run wild in your head, they'll drag you down every single time. But I believe that God's Word has practical instruction for what to do when anxiety attacks. Yeah, that's what I need. I need a plan to deal with negative emotions instead of trying to ignore them. I think trying to ignore negative thoughts Personally, I feel like it actually makes them more powerful. The anxiety and the stress and the worry, it starts to build up. And then once again, they start to gain momentum in my mind. And it can be really hard to shut it down. And then you convince yourself, 
I can't deal with this. It's too much. But you can deal with it. With God's help, you can. You're not the only one. Everyone who ever did anything for God, everyone who ever truly experienced his peace, learned how to deal with anxiety, with worry, with stress. And we want to help you. We've got some awesome tools for you today. We're going to teach you how to stand strong in the middle of whatever storm you're going through. You can learn to have a steady faith, not this up and down stuff. But something stable for when everything around you in your life is shaking. So I want you to go online right now or call the number on the screen. And when you do, you're going to ask to receive When Anxiety Attacks. That's what I want you to tell them. I want that series, When Anxiety Attacks. I want that message. And it will be yours with your gift to the ministry today. This series has some of the best sermons that, that we have preached on the subject of anxiety and fear and we've received so many letters from people about these messages yes. that that was the one. I was dealing with something that was taking me down. I didn't know what to do, and God's Word spoke to me. We want to get these very same messages in your hands. Yes. So call today. Trust me when I say you are going to be a different person on the other side of anxiety. God is with you in this storm, and I want to get this resource in your hand. Here are some more details about today's offer. You're underperforming. Your boss doesn't like you because you're not doing a very good job. You don't have what it takes. You are shaky and messy. Christianity. 
Kickoff your week with Brian Houston TV from Sunday. Be a fight to believe the Holy Spirit for your home year because that's exactly what is available to you. The beauty, the wonder, the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to try to be strong in our own strength. The only strength that we have that can sustain the will of God in our life is the empowered strength that comes from the Holy Ghost. That's the only strength. Every day on the Hillsong Channel. Introducing the Hillsong Team Box, an exclusive monthly subscription that delivers everything Hillsong directly to your door. Here's how it works. Each month, we'll send you the Hillsong Team Box full of exclusive resources at 50% off, free shipping in the U.S., and no hidden fees. A combination of worship, books, t-shirts, apparel, devotionals, and more. Join a group of people across the globe who are bringing the hope of Jesus to humanity. Visit hillsong.com forward slash team to join today. You're watching the Hillsong Channel. Welcome home. I'm driving to the Alright, Lord, I want to give every gift you gave me. We don't have lights coming out in tonight's show. Welcome, everybody, from wherever you're watching. And today is our day. So, we are talking about the hot. I was just with comparison. You don't want to miss a moment. Exclusive coverage. Men who work together cooperatively. That's where God's image is Everybody has stories of loss, but they can't stop us from moving forward. I want to encourage you to stand forth. Many times I get questions, you know, people say, how do I find the right person? My answer is run for God. Okay. This is what do you think? He's the one who spoke and the universe came. The church is advancing. God's protection is on. We've got you covered on the Hillsong channel. Faith begins where understanding ends. Faith is a deeper, deeper walk than just getting everything to go your way. Faith is, I'm going to believe that God's the healer, that God's good, that God's well able, that God's strong, that God's greater than anything I face, even if things don't go my way. Hi, I'm Paul. Almost 10 years ago, my dad, my hero, my pastor, passed away unexpectedly. He built a big church and left some pretty large shoes to fill. When he died, I didn't just lose my dad. I lost my faith. I lost my purpose and my future. But God showed up and restored my faith. And he gave me a message of hope to share with you. You're here on purpose. God's not finished with you yet. Your best days are right in front of you. And you have victory in your life because Jesus lives in you. There's been this underlying question going on in my heart, and in fact, people have even come up to me and asked me this question during the series and over the last seven years. The question is, but what about? But what about? Paul, I know you said to speak to the mountains. I know you said to think thoughts of faith. I know you said to pray and to move by faith. But what about when it doesn't work? What about when I pray to have children and we don't end up having children? What about when I pray for a college scholarship and it doesn't happen? What about when I've prayed for someone to get healed 
then they don't get healed. And these are legitimate questions, and those questions are, are not a bad thing. In fact, in the Bible, there was a lot of great men of faith that also had some pretty tough questions for God. Moses was one of them. Abram was one of them. David was one of them. Peter was one of them. And uh, it's okay if you have those questions. And, and I have those questions. I've had those questions before that, you know, I'm speaking on these messages of faith to build your faith up and to strengthen your faith, to believe God for miracles. But I've also experienced when it doesn't happen. And I want to take us to a scripture this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. And let me just set it up. John the Baptist is in this passage, and he was a great man of faith. He had done a lot of great things. He had preached to massive crowds and baptized a lot of people. In fact, he baptized Jesus, the Son of God. And uh, when he saw Jesus coming to the Jordan River, he said, Behold the Lamb of God whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. And Jesus said, John, I want you to baptize me. John saw a dove come down from heaven descending on Jesus, and he heard the voice of God saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So John the Baptist had an incredible experience with Jesus. He had seen awesome miracles. He had baptized a lot of people, but now he was in a different place. It's crazy how your faith can be strong when everything's going your way, and then you go through a season where nothing is going your way, and that's where faith really kicks in. And so Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. He heard about the Messiah. Jesus was doing incredible miracles. In other words, John the Baptist hears, that's the Messiah. He's doing great stuff. People are getting healed. But he sends his disciples to ask this question. Remember, he's in prison. And why is he in prison? He's been doing the right thing. He's been preaching the truth. He told King Herod, you're in an unlawful marriage. It's messed up. You shouldn't be doing that. Herod didn't like the truth. Herod throws John in prison, and he's a few days away from being beheaded. So John the Baptist knows, I may not make it out of here. I might get beheaded. I'm in prison. I'm supposed to be out there preaching. I'm supposed to be growing the church. I'm supposed to be baptizing people and casting out demons. I've got a calling. Why am I here? And so he sends this message to Jesus. He tells his disciples, go and ask Jesus this. Are you the Messiah? Now, wait a minute. John the Baptist knows he's the Messiah. He baptized him. He saw him. But remember, now he's in a different place. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? And I think he should have said, are you the Messiah I've been expecting? Or should I keep looking for someone else? It wasn't that John the Baptist didn't believe that Jesus could do miracles. It's that John the Baptist wanted Jesus to do a miracle for him. And it's, it's great when people are getting blessed, people are financially prospering, they're buying their new home, they're getting college scholarships, their business is growing, tons of awesome things, favor of God is falling in their lap. And when it's not happening for you, it's easy to get bitter and cynical. They go, yeah, easy for you to say, easy for you to talk about tithing, easy for you to talk about praying. You haven't experienced what I've experienced. You're not where I am right now. So John the Baptist asked the question, are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Are you going to get me out of here? Or should I be counting on somebody else? Watch what Jesus says back to him in verse 4. Jesus tells the disciples of John, go back and tell John what you've heard and what you've seen. The blind see, 
the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, the good news is being preached to the poor. And then he says this, blessed are those who do not get offended because of me. Blessed are those who do not turn away because of me. And I've been reading commentaries on this passage from Baptist people, Methodist people, charismatic, word of faith, but most people agree that what Jesus was saying here was, you're blessed when you choose not to get offended because it's not happening for you. Blessed are those who don't get offended because maybe the miracle's not happening for you right now. Blessed are those who don't get offended because Jesus is moving in so many people's lives and he's moved in your life too. You may not remember when he saved you. You may not remember how you ended up in church. Now maybe things aren't going the way you'd like for them to go right now in this current season, but blessed are those who don't get offended because of Jesus. Well, that's a, that's a tough one to talk about, and I want to talk about that today. I remember in high school, I was praying for a specific thing to happen. I had, I had seen God answer my prayers. I had seen God do great things. I had been on mission trips. I had seen a blind person who was blind since they were a kid. At some point, they got blind, and they were now in their 60s. I saw this person get healed and share the testimony, and so I knew God's power was real. And I prayed this prayer, Lord, would this happen this year in high school, my junior year? There was a window of time that I needed something to happen, and it didn't happen. I remember driving with my dad after that year, and I was with him in his Tahoe, and we were driving around Tulsa, and I just started talking to him. I said, Dad, I'm having a hard time activating my faith, believing God for a miracle, believing God for prayers to be answered, because I prayed for this. I tithed, I went to church, I forgave people. I'm not a perfect guy, but I've, I've repented of my sins. Why didn't it happen? Why? I spoke to the mountain. I believed the mountain could move out here. Why hasn't it moved? And, and the window of time has already passed for it to move. And why did it happen for my friends who prayed the same prayer and they saw the mountain move? And I'll never forget my dad said, I don't know. You don't know. You're the pastor. You're supposed to have all the answers. You're the answer man. No. And I think this is where faith really kicks in. Faith begins where our understanding ends. It wouldn't be faith if you knew all the reasons, all the logic, all the formula, have it, have it all figured out, had every answer to every question. It wouldn't be faith. Faith is believing even when you don't understand. Believing in the character of God even when it doesn't happen for you the way that you'd want it to happen. And I remember having this conversation with my dad, and, man, I thought it was pretty cool that here he was the pastor of a big church and he admitted, I don't have all the answers. And we may not have all those answers. In fact, there's a scripture in the Bible, Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, that says, the secret things belong to the Lord. The secret things that no one else knows about, God knows about them. And we can spend our entire lifetime searching for the answers to every question. But even if we get all the answers, it doesn't change the circumstances. So we have this choice. Am I going to live the rest of my life bitter, 
doubtful, angry, constantly questioning God? Or am I going to choose to trust and believe? Well, I remember having this conversation with my dad, and, and uh, I decided that day, okay, I'm going to just trust God. He said, that's all we can do is just trust God. He's not the author of death. He's not the author of bad things. But he sure knows how to work in the middle of them if you'll just trust him. Little did I know that in that shallow experience, I would learn a truth that would be much more important for a much deeper experience later on in life. Well, I get a phone call in September of 2009, and I was working in the ministry for my parents, and my mom says, hey, Paul, uh, come and just spend some time with your dad and pray for him. He's not feeling too well. And I go, What? What are you talking about he's not feeling too well? Like, he's supposed to pray for us because we're the ones that don't feel well, and he's our pastor dad that prays for us. And she said, no, just come over and, and, and just hang out with him and, and pray for him. And so I came over, and I could tell he wasn't feeling that good, but I didn't know how bad it was. The next week, I get a phone call from my mom, and she says, hey, Paul, um, I'm calling all the kids. We just need to come up to the hospital. Your dad's up here. And I said, who's he visiting? Who's in the hospital? Who do we need to come and pray for? What family is it? She said, no, your dad's in the hospital. What? Why? Paul, he's not feeling good. Just come up here. Click. So I go to St. John's. I remember going in there and I see my dad laying on this hospital bed. And I'd never seen this before because I've seen him my whole life preaching on a stage building this church, ministering to people, praying for the sick to be healed, doing great things for God. And I'm going, why is this happening to him? He's a good guy. Why is a bad thing happening to a good person who's done all the right things? He's tithed, he's prayed, he's forgiven people, he's not in sin, he's not perfect, but he's surrendered to God, he's repented of all of his past, and and he's a good man. Why is this happening? And I remember standing around this bed with our family, and I thought, he's going to be out here by tomorrow. This is not supposed to happen. This is a fluke accident, whatever it was. In fact, when I went to the hospital, I thought maybe he had gotten bit by a dog or something. I was like, they're going to put a Band-Aid on it. He'll be out in no time. The next day, he was transferred to Cancer Treatment Center. The Christian life is not a promise of, of everything being easy and perfect. We're not promised a perfect life. But we are promised a perfect Savior and a perfect eternity. Have you ever felt like there is more in store for you than what you're doing right now? Or have you ever wondered why the gifts and talents you possess were put inside you? There's good news. God created you without limitations. You were not born to stay where you are. You were born with possibilities. You were born to rise above. You were born for more. In Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More, you will discover how to break the limits of your environment, define how God views success, and multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. Born for More will give you the practical tools you need and the confidence to know that God's purpose for your life is greater than you could ever imagine. No matter what your past holds, you can be sure that God's purpose and promises guarantee that you were born for more. Discover your limitless life with Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More. Get your free copy today as I'll give to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online at pauldoherty.org. I remember going to Cancer Treatment Center and I walked in and I said, why is he here? Can we please 
he needs to be at St. Francis Hospital or St. John. Why is he in the cancer treatment center? He doesn't have that. And then the doctor pulled our family together and said, Billy Joe has lymphoma cancer. And I just like went blank. I stopped listening and she started to read statistics and my mom stopped her and said, we don't need to hear any of that. My dad stopped her. She stopped talking about that. And I just walked out of the room and I lost it. Like I just started bawling. And our wedding was two weeks away. My dad had been so excited for me to marry Ashley. He said, finally, you heard from God. We've been rooting for Ashley your whole life. You finally realize she's the one, and and uh, he wanted to do my wedding, and and then I was just weeping, and I just why, why, why is this happening right now? Surely there's something wrong going on in the atmosphere up in heaven. Like why is this happening? And I just oh man, I remember thinking about Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And I think because I've grown up in church and I've heard the Word of God, scriptures come back to my mind, and I remember that scripture. Trust, trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And... The next few weeks, my dad goes through chemo treatment, and and the cancer gets worse. And I start trying to, you know, figure out what's going to happen here. What's the chances here? What's the statistics and and, and all that kind of stuff. And and then our wedding is happening that week, and my dad says, I want to do your wedding. I said, no, Dad, don't do it. Don't do it. If we need to push it off or postpone it or whatever, or if we just need to come up to the hospital room, and, and we can just be in the hospital room with you, and you pray for us, and... He said, no, no, I'm going to be there. I didn't think he was going to come to our wedding, but he did. He, he showed up in here, and he hadn't been preaching for about four weeks, and he comes walking in, and the whole place is cheering and crying, and, and we're going, okay, good, Billy Joe, he's back in the pulpit, pastor's back, and my faith is good. And he did our wedding, and, you know, crying afterwards, going, Paul, I'm so proud of you, I'm so glad you're with Ashley. I go on the honeymoon, and then I was paranoid the whole time. I just had my phone with me the whole time, waiting for a phone call or a text that says, come back home immediately. We don't know uh, what's going to happen. And so I was waiting for a call, and we get back from the honeymoon, and, and Thanksgiving is coming up. My dad's saying, hey, we're going to eat cornbread. We're going to have fried chicken. We're going to Grand Grand's house. We're going to eat, you know, tons of food, turkey, ham, and it's going to be great. And Ashley and I were going on a mission trip to Russia right before Thanksgiving. I said, Dad, should we just cancel this trip because we just need to be here with you? We were in the hospital day and night going over to my mom's house when he was out of the hospital, massaging his feet, praying for him, doing whatever we needed to do to help him. And um, he said, no, 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 go to Russia. He said, you remember when I went to Russia? I said, yes, we remember when you went to Russia. You, like, saved thousands of people and, and led them to Jesus, and you prayed for the sick, and they got healed He said, Paul, you need to go to Russia. You need to go there. Go preach to those people. Minister to them. And so we went. Right when we landed, I got a text from my sister saying, come back immediately. Your dad is not in a good condition. And um, and so we, we didn't even preach. We just got back on a plane, 
went down to MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. And, oh, man, the whole way down there, I'm just going, okay, this is going to be a setup for a breakthrough. This is going to be a setup for my miracle. This is going to, Dad's going to, it's all going to work out. He's going to be up, and he's going to be preaching again, and, and everything's going to be strong and great. I remember getting to that hospital room and, and just seeing my dad laying on that bed and once again just going through this roller coaster of emotions. And here's what happens with life. I, I need some help. Eric, come up here. Oftentimes we build our faith on boxes that are collapsible. Eric, can you start just stacking these boxes? When everything's going your way, it's easy to have faith, right? When my desires are being granted, my faith is growing. Everything's going my way. My prayers are being answered. Everything's going my way, right? Financially blessed. I'm getting blessed left and right. Okay, my faith is huge. Oh, you is winning. Oh, man, Dallas Cowboys are winning. My faith is huge. Don't lie. Some of you guys have been there before. <laughs> But then, life, life happens to all of us. The Bible says that rain falls on the just and the unjust. See, the Christian life is not a promise of, of everything being easy and perfect. We're not promised a perfect life. But we are promised a perfect Savior and a perfect eternity. So when our faith is built on everything going our way and life hits, what we thought was so strong comes crumbling down because our foundation was built on, on something that isn't really a promise. He doesn't promise that everything's always going to go your way. But he does promise he's going to work all things together for good, even when it looks bad. So what do we build our faith on? What foundation is unshakable? i got a few promises and blocks. Here's one. Heaven is your eternity. Your best days are always in front of you. This is a believer's promise. You say, what can I count on as a believer? Like, why should I follow Jesus? What do I... See, atheists, they believe your life on earth is all you get. However many years it is, that's it. Enjoy it. Make the most of it. Everything's over after that. But Christians know my end is my beginning. Death is not the end. To live is Christ. To die is gain. What's another promise we can count on? This right here. God loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. No matter what I walk through, when the electricity is off and when the electricity is on, He loves me. When I'm in the hospital or when I'm on the mountaintop, he loves me. He loves me. He doesn't just love me when I've got my act together. He loves me even when I'm a mess. He loves me. That's a promise. Here's another promise. 
Through Jesus Christ, I'm forgiven and saved. Through Jesus Christ, I have salvation. I have forgiveness of sins. This is a promise you have as believers. See, but Paul, things aren't going my way, but, but, but that's okay. Because that's not a solid foundation anyways. Even if things were going your way, at some point, Hebrews chapter 9 says, all of us are appointed to die. We're all going to face eternity. You can't dodge death the rest of your life. That's something. You don't have to be afraid of death. It boggles my mind when believers are afraid to die. Because I'm going, wait a minute, look. Through Jesus, you're forgiven. You don't have to be afraid to face eternity when you've repented and asked Jesus in your heart. Through Jesus, you're saved. Your eternity is heaven. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear uh, 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 trials or tragedies. Here's another one that I also really like. This one is the one that I remember in the hospital with my dad. God is with me. No matter what I face, he's with me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the promise of God stands eternal. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Church, you can stand on the solid foundation of faith. No matter what I face, God's with me. No matter what I face, God loves me. No matter what I face, heaven is my eternal reward. No matter what I'm going through, with Jesus, I can make it. Watch what happens when you throw the life ball at the solid foundation. It doesn't break. It doesn't shake. Because it's unbreakable faith. It's a solid foundation. That's all you need right there. Now, it doesn't mean you don't believe God for miracles and for things to go your way and for favor. Absolutely. But you're not going to lose your faith and walk away from God just because things don't go your way. Because your faith is on a solid rock. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I want to invite you today. Maybe you've lost your faith because things didn't go your way. Maybe prayers didn't get answered. Maybe materials that you were praying you'd be blessed with didn't end up happening. But I want you to put your faith back in God, back in the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Jesus I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving my life, for dying on the cross for my sins, raising from the dead so I can have eternal life. I'm all yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We want you to have unbreakable faith. We don't want you to have the kind of faith that falls apart every time a prayer doesn't get answered or a situation doesn't turn around. We want you to have the kind of faith that stands through the storms of life because that's the kind of faith that God's looking for. We've got a book for you that's going to help you in this journey of faith, keeping the faith, walking by faith, and it's called Born for More. And it's a book about just believing for the supernatural and being able to stand in faith even when things don't go your way. So check this book out. It's called Born for More. We're going to send it to you for free. That's right, free. And it's a mini book, so you can get it right now. You just got to call the number at the bottom of the screen or go to our website, pauldoherty.org, and you can request it right there. Once again, thanks for watching today. Thanks for staying tuned in. Thank you for sowing into this ministry. Because of your generosity, lives are being impacted for eternity. We love you. We're praying for you. Your best days are right in front of you.
Have you ever felt like there is more in store for you than what you're doing right now? Or have you ever wondered why the gifts and talents you possess were put inside you? There's good news. God created you without limitation. You were not born to stay where you are. You were born with possibilities. You were born to rise above. You were born for more. In Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More, you will discover how to break the limits of your environment, define how God views success, and multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. Born for More will give you the practical tools you need and the confidence to know that God's purpose for your life is greater than you could ever imagine. No matter what your past holds, you can be sure that God's purpose and promises guarantee that you were born for more. Discover your limitless life with Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More. Get your free copy today as our gift to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online at pauldoherty.org. Now is the time to dream bigger, to go further, to move forward, and know who you are. Original, unconventional, extraordinary. So go ahead, live in your purpose, find your destiny, fulfill your calling. This is real. This is now. This is how you change your world. Victory Bible College. It's been an honor to get to speak into you. We don't take this lightly. And we'd love to hear from you. So write us, call us, go to our website. It's on the screen right now. And we'd love to connect with you. Ashley and I are always praying for you. And never forget, your best days are right in front of you. You have ways of thinking walled off in your mind that are keeping you from the life that God wants you to live. Our faith was meant to be tested. We're supposed to have moments that feel like they're too much to handle. These moments are God's greatest opportunities. I don't have to feel faith to have faith. I got faith in the middle of a storm. My faith doesn't mean it's not going to rain. My faith means I'm going to make it to the other side through whatever waves I have to cross over. Rediscover your faith while watching Elevation with Stephen Furtick every day on the Hillsong Channel. Hey, thanks for watching today. This thing is all Jesus. The messages, the worship, conferences, each part and expression of who is at the center of all of this. And right now, we want to extend a special invitation to you. You're watching today because something deep within you resonates with a cause to bring hope to humanity through the message of Jesus. Now, you can accelerate that cause by becoming a Hillsong team member. And as a member of the team, you will receive a subscription box that delivers the best of Hillsong and friends to your door each month. Your subscription to the team box is fun and meaningful and equips you in your faith journey. But most importantly, your subscription will accelerate the message of Jesus across the globe through the Hillsong Channel. There is power and potential by being a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. So join the team today. Hillsong.com forward slash team to sign up and get your monthly box. Each month we'll send you a box with items that will help you grow and empower you in your sphere of life. You'll find apparel, worship, downloads, albums, and so much more. And you can't get this exclusive combination of resources any other way. Hillsong Team Box is for all ages, so we want to invite you to journey with us. We want to bless you each and every month. The purpose of the Hillsong Team Box is to touch your life and to reach the world. 
together. Let's take Jesus into every sphere of life. Join today. Hillsong.com forward slash team. can't say what God says about your sin confession until you see what God sees. Repentance is the process of allowing God to change my mind's eye, and I don't see it the same way. Revival in the church in America in our lifetime. That's why I'm still here. Revival in the church in America in our lifetime. What's easy, what's interesting though is, is that the Bible doesn't ever use the word revival. Did you know that? The noun's not in the Bible. What's in the Bible is the verb. Will you not revive us again? And, and, and uh, Psalm 119, 107, I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me. Psalm 80, 18, revive me and I will call upon your name. Psalm 119, 37, turn away, from, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. When we repent, we are revived. Remember, vive, that's life. And then revive is new life. And how badly we need and, and how badly you need. Am I right? How badly you need reviving. First repentance, then revival. Repentance before revival. I want to put up a little chart that I made. I'm going to put it up uh, all at once. And um, this is, um, again, just picking some specific strongholds um, to be repenting about. I could say a great deal about all of these. We go over them. And I wouldn't hesitate if I felt the Lord leading me to go over one of those in detail and just kind of go over all of us about all of this. But I, um, I believe that you've been thinking about this already. The big categories, the big stronghold categories, pride, you know, in my position, in my, what I've achieved, in my influence. How do you handle that? And then pleasure, just that. And then priorities, what's first in my life. Well, I want to go through now, if you would uh, let me, I want to go through these um, five marks of genuine repentance uh, right here in the Second Corinthians 7 passage. Because I'm going to tell you that repentance is a pretty elusive thing. We, uh, as pastors in this church and um, elders and small group leaders will testify to this. Um, we get into a lot of situations where uh, we have to be asking ourselves, and there was this problem in this marriage, and there was this awful thing that this person did at work, and there was this terrible situation between uh, some parents and their kids, and, and, and you, you show them the right, and you pray with them, and then it's always this, are they repentant? Are they repentant? Because repentance is something that happens on the inside. 
and, and you don't really know if the person's, and you're saying to the wife, well, you know, you should probably, it seems like it might be time for him to come back home again, and, and we're trusting God to rebuild that, and the question always comes, is he repentant? Is he repentant? I heard what he did. I saw what she said and did. Is she repentant? And so, um, actually, the Bible has a great deal to say about this. Um, Acts 26.20 says, Repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. When a man or woman, when you or I are genuinely repentant, there's just stuff we do. And if you're really repentant, you'll do these things. And if you're not, you won't. Another verse, Luke 3, 8 says, bring forth fruits in keeping with repentance. This is such a big subject. I, I could teach on this every week. Do you understand that? I could teach on this every week for a year and not be wasting our time. Spurgeon, the great English preacher from a century ago, was preaching on repentance week after week after week, and someone came up to him afterwards. A woman came up to him and said, all you ever talk about is repentance. When are you going to preach on something else? And he said, when you repent... <laughs> Right? I don't know how long we'll stay here. But here they come, the five uh, marks of genuine repentance. Now, let me just say that in 2 Corinthians uh, 7, he has these things all kind of jumbled up here. He doesn't, he doesn't lay them out in specific order. He's not trying to give us a chronology. I've used the illustration before of, like I've told you that I'm not allowed to buy uh, not allowed to buy groceries at our house at all. I'm not even allowed to go to the grocery store. And and uh, so you're the head of your house. Well, in the sense that um, I I'm in charge of some stuff, and and I have a, a great partnership. And and uh, my wife knows if I go to the grocery store, I'm like let's let's get cookies and 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 so I'm just flat out don't go. And what I am allowed to do is to carry the groceries in from the car when she gets home. And so I'll inevitably, I'll say, you know, Kathy, what do we get? What do we get? And, and, and well, we got, you know, we got um, some uh, steak and we got some cereal and we have, I got some fruit and we got some, and she doesn't break it up into the food groups. Here's the proteins that we got. And here, she doesn't do it like that. She just kind of just comes out with it. It's not her intent to give me a thorough accounting of everything she bought. It used to give me a kind of a sampling of it. And if you understand that illustration, that's exactly what's happening here. Paul's not trying to give us a, 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 a thorough accounting for everything related to repentance. He's just trying to give a sense of it. So um, let's walk through the text, and you'll see that I jump around here a wee bit in order to pull out these five uh, fruits of genuine repentance. So... Verse 8, even if I made you grieve, Paul wrote four letters to the Corinthians. We have two of them. In between the uh, two, he wrote uh, apparently a shorter letter. He says, if I grieved you with my letter, because apparently it's a pretty short, curt letter. The Corinthian church was very carnal. And, and he was like, dear Corinthian church, repent! Love, Paul. <laughs> And so then afterwards, he was like, and I feel this sometimes. I'm going to just tell you the truth. Sometimes I, I'll say to my friends after church, and I love this church so much, and sometimes I'll just say afterwards, you know, was I too hard on them because I love them, and I, I want to get this across, but I, but I don't want to be. And so Paul was feeling that. And he, he said, if I, made, if I grieved you with my letter, I, I don't regret it. I did regret it, for, our, for I see that the letter grieved you, and no one wants to do that. As it is, though, I rejoice. 
Not because you're grieved, but because you're grieved in repenting. And, and it's the outcome of a, of a hard-to-preach, hard-to-hear message and series like this is, is that we actually think differently because we, we repented and did what follows that. It will be worth all of it. He says, you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. And, and uh, now he's going to start to go into these things. So jot them down. And here they are, the five fruits of repentance. First of all, grief over sin. Grief over sin. Verse 9, you felt a godly grief. Verse 10, godly grief produces repentance. It leads to salvation. Um, by the way, um, um, a repentance precedes confession. If you've been first, John, one nine in your sin, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and, and that's awesome. Confession means to say what God says, and what I believe and have taught here for many years, that you can't say confession, you can't say what God says about your sin. What you say? What God says? God says it's sin. Hey, trust me on this. God has a lot more to say about your sin than it's sin. And And... And confession is a lot more than slapping a post-it note on your behavior and going, oh, I sinned, I sinned, it's sin, God. Now we agree. I'm, I'm cleansed from all unrighteousness. And no, 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 no. Can't say what God says about your sin confession until you see what God sees. Repentance is the process of allowing God to change my mind's eye, and I don't see it the same way. And the first example of the change is I now have grief over sin. That word grief there, lupeo, is used 26 times in the New Testament. Half of those usages are in 2 Corinthians, and half of those are in this passage. So here we have 25% of the entire New Testament teaching on the feelings that accompany repentance. The word is grief. It means literally soul anguish. It's what the disciples felt when Jesus announced his crucifixion in Matthew 17, 23. It's what the rich young ruler felt when he realized that he loved his riches more than the opportunity to follow Jesus, Matthew 14, 22. It's, it's literally soul pain uh, as opposed to worldly grief. You see there, there's a worldly grief and that produces death. What does that mean, worldly grief produces death? Do you see it there? See it at the end of verse 10? Look at it. Worldly grief produces death. Well, that can't possibly mean physical death, or there'd be no distinction. Hands up if you're going to die physically. Jesus doesn't return. We're all going to die physically. So that wouldn't mean much to say that worldly grief produces what everyone's going to experience. It's not talking about the first death. It's talking about the second death. It's talking about the lake of fire is what it's talking about. It's talking about hell. The second, this is the second death. The wages of sin is death. That's not talking about physical death. All right? So note this. Worldly grief produces death. A lifetime of shallow worldly repentance leads to hell. And a lifetime of, sorry God, sorry God, again, but do it. I always do it. That's not a saved person. All right? While we all fall in many ways, we are also beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord in our daily being transformed into that image, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And, and not perfectly, as I always say, but increasingly we are becoming conformed to the image of Jesus. If you don't love the truth more, and if you don't love 
uh, each other more, if, if we don't see a growing pattern of Christ-likeness in our life, worldly repentance. Sorry, I feel bad. Sorry, I got caught. Sorry, I looked bad. Sorry, you don't like this, God. Sorry, I. That's worldly repentance. And, and men who repent worldly, they're not changed. They're not safe. And women who repent with worldliness, they can't be trusted. They're not changed. They'll do it again. A great celebration. That is the heart of our Father God. Why do we resist and repel and refuse the moments of grace in our stubbornness when God would shower His mercy upon us in the place of repentance? For additional resources or to request a base message, call 1-800-545-6800 or go to jamesmcdonald.tv. Now stay with us this much more teaching ahead from James McDonald here on Walk in the Word. Are you trapped in what feels like an endless cycle of sin and deceit? How long has it been since you've had a meaningful time of prayer? When was the last time you saw your tears hit the altar? When is that going to change? The windows of heaven are bursting with the mercy that God wants to pour out on your life. If only you would meet with him in a place of genuine repentance. If you're serious about removing the sin that's keeping you from a right relationship with God, call today to receive the brand new Conquering Your Strongholds kit. The Discovering Stronghold booklet will first help you identify the areas of your life where sin's grip is strongest. Then, as you watch Pastor James's powerful When Strongholds Start to Crumble DVD message, you'll experience the victory that comes from surrendering those strongholds and letting God prevail over them. Start down the path toward personal revival by requesting the Conquering Your Strongholds kit when you support Walk in the Word with any amount. And for a gift of $85 or more, we'll also send you the entire Think Differently series on DVD, filled with principles from God's Word that have greatly impacted Pastor James' own life. These 11 messages further explore how meeting with God in the place of genuine repentance is a key to seeing your sin destroyed. Request the Stronghold Collection today when you call 800-545-6800 or go online to jamesmcdonald.tv. Grief over sin. Here's the second thing, repulsion towards sin. He says in verse 11, see what earnestness, that means haste, hurry, diligence. I'm done with this. And then indignation, feelings of strong displeasure. It's, it's what used to rouse me now repulses me. Hear me, man? That used to rouse me, now it repulses me. That used to please me, now it sickens me. I feel like I'm going to puke when I get close to that. It's like revulsion. Remember that show that used to be on TV called The uh, Fear Factor? Yeah, I, I just had to stop watching that. Because they'd have some crazy thing at the end of the show. They did all these kind of cool competitions, but at the, the, at the end, they had to like eat five gopher eyes or something. And I'd be like, I'm not going to look at that. And then I would always be like, and, and but then it just sickens you. And I just thought, I'm not, I, I can't unsee that. 
And as I got on, and I just didn't ever watch that again. And that's what repentance is right there. It's like, that. I see that for what it is, and I don't want that. And, and, but, of course, in all uh, sin, there's deception. And, and uh, Satan is an angel of light, and he makes things check, check. He makes things glitter and glow. And, and repentance is detecting the rationalizations that allowed me to see something as attractive that actually, ultimately, now and eternally, is ugly. See it for what it is. A fruit of repentance is grief over sin, repulsion toward sin. This is big. A restitution toward others. Right here in the text, in verse 11, he says, What punishment, New American Standard translates that avenging of wrong. New King James, what vindication. What eagerness to clear yourselves. You proved yourself innocent in the matter. When repentance happens, immediately we are concerned, just like that prodigal in that pig pen. He got up, and he, he went home, and he made it right with his family. And when repentance is sincere, we want to make it right with the people our sin is injured, as soon as we can. And I'm not going to bed till I made that phone call. I'm not. I'm going, I'm going over to their house. I'm going to wait till they talk to me. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to do everything I can, and I'm going to keep trying, because that's what repentance really does. Repentance, um, you're not right with God until you've done everything you can to make it right with the people your sin injured. Now, we don't burden people with our confession. You don't go to your wife and say, let me just tell you what I've been doing. No, 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 the the confession uh, flows out from the circle of knowing, and you don't burden someone. Now, if they ask you, you can't lie. And even if they do ask you and you tell the truth, you don't give the details. Love covers. You You don't make it worse, but you can't lie about it. And as far as everybody who knows about your slanderous mouth and as far as everybody who knows about your passive indifferent selfishness or whatever you're convicted about you could just say to them well I'm sure sorry for the way I've been acting I'm sure sorry for the things that I've done and we 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 take action when when you're genuinely repentant you take action and then uh, just quickly, also in the text, um, revival toward God. That's what's meant by what fear, what longing, what zeal. And you just, one of the fruits of repentance is you just have a fired up relationship with God again. And mercy is showered upon you and, and grace is received and forgiveness is experienced and new disciplines are established and, and there's such joy in that. And lastly, moving forward, not looking back. Notice, you suffered no loss through us, verse 9. Uh, a sorrow without regret. Real repentance isn't looking back on. So look how many years I've wasted. No, real repentance is looking forward to the years that remain. And I'm going to capitalize on the time that I have, and I'm going to be the man. You're going to be the woman that God has called you to be. All right. It's time to repent. So I pray that God has spoken through this messenger and that you have heard the message. You are the man. Hey, David, what do you think of a guy who would do this? Oh, oh, that's awful. You're the man who did that. Oh. And even though David rationalized for a year, he was cut to the heart and changed forever. The Bible says that the God who took in all of David's life in a moment that eternal God said that David was a man after his own heart. 
What God loved in Jacob was not that he was perfect, but that he was changing. He let God confront him. And again and again, he changed his mind. So let's just quiet our hearts before the Lord. Don't wallow in generalities. Let the Spirit of God prick your heart about something specific. Confess that and forsake it. You are right, God. I am wrong. That is sin. I have no excuse. I am grieved by my stubbornness. I see the damage that it is doing. I will make it right with others. And how hard it is when we feel that those we have sinned against have also sinned against us. And how hard it is to go to a person and simply rehearse your own sin and leave with God anything you see imperfectly that you think they may have done. We have Jesus Christ. We have His Holy Spirit. We have the fellowship of this wonderful church. And we can go and humble ourselves. We want God to deal graciously with us. God, help us to deal graciously with others. Show us our own sin. Let's don't hurry these moments. Let's let God's Spirit move upon us. When will you have a better time? If not, you who? If not now, when? Well, I wonder what's coming for that prodigal son. I wonder what's going to happen when he gets home. He's going to get an earful. That's what he's going to get. He's going to get told. He's going to get put in his place. Um, Actually, no. The father, picturing our father to every one of us repenting now. The Bible says in Luke 15, that while he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran to him and threw his arms around him and said, my son, my son has come home. He was lost. And now he's found. Kill the fatted calf. Get a robe. Get a ring. Put it on him. My son was dead. He's alive. And there was a great celebration. Amen? A great celebration. That is the heart of our Father God. Why do we resist and rebel and refuse the moment of grace in our stubbornness when God would shower his mercy upon us in the place of repentance. Well, God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Revive our hearts, God. Renew us in these moments of repentance. All right, well, that's the end of your favorite message on repentance. Yeah. And do you have anything else you'd like to add? 
Well, maybe just that uh, I love the fact that we're learning to think differently, and that includes thinking differently about repentance. I think a lot of times when people hear the subject of repentance, they're like, well, you know, that's some tomato-faced preacher pounding the pulpit, telling everyone to repent. The reality is, is that this is one of the most glorious messages in all of God's Word. And I mean, as I love to say right now, the windows of heaven are bursting with the grace and mercy that God would shower upon you. You just come and repent. He, what do you think heaven is celebrating for? What do you think the angels are rejoicing over one person who repents? I mean, there's a lot of awesome things happening in the world today, but they stop everything and start a party over one repenter. Why? Because that's what brings the blessing. Sin is removed. Grace can fall. God's willing right now. Oh, I love the thought of us thinking differently about repentance. If you're serious about removing the sin that's keeping you from a right relationship with God, call today to receive the brand new Conquering Your Strongholds kit. The Discovering Strongholds booklet will first help you identify the areas of your life where sin's grip is strongest. Then, as you watch Pastor James's powerful When Strongholds Start to Crumble DVD message, you'll experience the victory that comes from surrendering those strongholds and letting God prevail over them. Start down the path toward personal revival by requesting the Conquering Your Strongholds kit when you support Walk in the Word with any amount. And for a gift of $85 or more, we'll also send you the entire Think Differently series on DVD, filled with principles from God's Word that have greatly impacted Pastor James's own life. These 11 messages further explore how meeting with God in the place of genuine repentance is the key to seeing your sin destroyed. Request the Stronghold Collection today when you call 800-545-6800 or go online to jamesmcdonald.tv. So I first heard James on Walking the Word and then read the Birth of Church uh, book and his ideas of uh, how we should vertically be with uh, Christ and how our thinking should be vertically. And hearing him preach and how the way he preached I've never heard before and the way it impacted my life. And I heard from God through his word. Listening to James and the history that he has uh, in doing what he's done, the lessons that he's learned, you know, looking in that rear view of the, the things that have gone well and then the authenticity to talk about the things that haven't gone well have been so valuable. Well, I love to say this at the end of an impactful message. I'm sitting with people at home, and I'm thinking God's using this in their heart, and they've repented, and they're thinking differently, and they've got to have some people come to mind, and they're thinking, I would love it if they would think differently. Yeah, so as long as you're listening to the teaching of God's Word and thinking, does this help me? Can this help me? How will this benefit me? You know, it's awesome. I'm thankful for every person who's thinking that that wants to grow in their faith. So it comes by hearing of the word, hearing the Word of God. But the next step, is to come to the place, and I would just really challenge you to think about, are you at the place now where you're willing to be a partner with us, or do they want me to give, do they want me to give? Well, we may talk about that at some point. We're thankful for our financial partners, but right now I don't have that in mind at all. I'm thinking about you partnering with us and getting the word out. Take the message that you have heard. I was blessed to bring it to you. Now you take it and give it to someone else and see God use your life. That's what we're talking about.
partners of Walk in the Word. Listen to me. Our only hope is the next great awakening, and it starts right now with each one of us. Betty has. And one of the things that's so important to people is how to win 
in the area of spiritual warfare. The invisible realm has such powerful effect on the visible realm, but it's largely ignored, and that simply won't work. So what we're sharing with you is going to help you find a way to absolute victory in Christ. doesn't mean, and here, please understand this, it's not freedom from the fight or the battle. It's freedom in the battle. To learn to stand and learn to stand together. We need one another. Be blessed as you watch the Lydia May series. And I pray with all my heart, you find the freedom our Father freely offers through the truth that sets us free. Thank you. Welcome to Life Today. We've been talking about uh, living in ways ever since the book uh, came out. I've been trying to help people understand that I lived amazed, and that's not supposed to be the odd thing, and it wasn't written to amaze you at how I've lived amazed. Now, we have been talking for several days, several weeks, if you're watching, about the fact that we are following a father of lies, Satan, of dissension, division, destruction, and death. And remember, the most religious people Jesus talked to, when he said, if you abide in me, and get that, this is in John 8, 31 and 32, if you abide in me, if you abide in me, you'll know the truth. You know the truth, and the truth will set you free. His truth. What did they say when Jesus said the truth will make you free? They said, we are the children of Abraham, and we've never been in bondage to anybody. Give me a break. When were they not in bondage to somebody? They were in bondage not only to Herod, but to Caesar while they're talking. The whole exodus is about a people in bondage. And God said he brought them out to bring them in. He didn't just get them out of Egypt. He had to get Egypt out of them. He delivered them from the power of the world and delivered them from the spirit of the world. And he wanted to move them out of doubt and fear and walking around in circles, seeing his miraculous provision of power. He wanted them to enter into promised land living. That's his desire for every Christian. He wants to free us from the power of the world so that we don't receive the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. And then God begins to teach us his truth, his word not just to carry it in the scrolls or in a leather-bound book, but in our hearts, bind it up in our hearts so that it carries us. The Word can carry you rather than you just carrying it. That's what he was looking for. But if you read Nehemiah, and especially chapter 9, you will see that they had entered in, but they didn't keep the commands of God. They began to worship the blessings. They worshiped the idols, and they found themselves defeated. And they even said in the ninth chapter of the 36th verse, look at us, we're in the promised land, but we're prisoners in the land you gave us. We're slaves in the promised land. Sadly, that's where most Christians live. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about right now Christians being set free from the bondage and the lies of the enemy who's accusing you continually and telling you you're disqualified. He's a liar. And God's grace is sufficient. Jesus paid it all. He paid the price. He fulfilled everything that God required, and he pours out on us life and salvation freely. But we're in a battle. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 6. In the 6th chapter, verse 10, be strong in the Lord, the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. 
You're in a battle here. A lot of people think freedom is escape from the battle. No, you are freed to the battle. You go as sheep in the midst of wolves with the watch care of the shepherd who can scatter every predator and kill a lion and a bear to defend you. He didn't send you out defenseless. He just wants you to know where you're going. And the enemy is a liar, and he's crafty, and he's a schemer. And he wants to take you captive. I want all of you to get this. Everyone in this room right here with me in the studio, all of you get this and all of you home. Satan's fury is focused on the church. He's already got the lost. The children of the devil, he's got them. And, and Satan cannot possess a Christian, but he can harass you, he can torment you, he can distract you, he can deceive you, and he can defeat you, and that's his intention. He is attacking the purpose, the kingdom purpose of God in your life. The fury of, of Satan is focused on the church, on the family of God, to totally destroy God's purpose, kingdom purpose in and through you. That's what he's focused on. Understand that. So if you focus on fulfilling the kingdom purpose of God, to be salt and light, to love your neighbor, to love your enemies, to speak the truth, never let the light be hidden, put it on a lampstand, don't ever be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation to all who believe it and receive. So understand what's going on. You need an armor to resist the schemes of the devil. And don't miss this, for our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with rulers. And that doesn't just mean legislators, folks. That means spiritual rulers, okay? Doesn't just mean people in Washington. Against the powers, against world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, therefore take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm. One of the greatest mistakes Christians make is when the enemy knocks them down, they tend to stay down, especially if they're knocked down several times. You've got to make a commitment. Everyone in this studio, look up here in the eyes right now. You make up your mind that no matter how many times I get knocked down, I'm getting up. I won't stay down. I believe when you stay down is when you commit the sin under death. I believe you have committed to be defeated until you die. You just walk away. And then you've got the horrible bondage that comes from coming in agreement with the devil. I'm getting up. And get up and suit up and stand up and having stood, stand firm. And ask other people to stand with you. One of the greatest needs we have in the church is for us to be able to have brothers to stand with us. This is the way we're supposed to be as the family of God. So understand, we need each other because we're warring against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We need the full armor of God, and we need to stand firm. And there are all the aspects of the armor of God. Just look at that. Pray over that. Suit up in that armor. I want you to look at the battle that the great Christian Paul was in. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You will never escape the battle. Y'all all agree that Saul of Tarsus, Paul the Apostle, was a great Christian? And he was won to Christ by a great Christian Stephen. When Stephen was dying, Saul of Tarsus saw the living Jesus in the dying Stephen. Because Stephen prayed just like Jesus, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Forgive them, they know what they're doing. And I'm telling you, that moved on Saul of Tarsus until Jesus stepped in in person and they had the Damascus Road encounter and Saul of Tarsus was totally transformed by the power of God. I really believe that Christians will be as committed to God 
as Stephen was. I mean, sold out to him. That where we don't reach someone, I believe Jesus will step in and encounter people face to face. That's what needs to happen to the Muslim world and Muslim leaders. And we need to pray for that. They believe very much in dreams. Just pray, God, give the whole Islamic world dreams. Let them see you for who you are in power and set them free. Set everyone free from bondage. Pray like that. Pray that God will open the eyes of the unbelieving so that they'll be saved. But look what happened to this great Christian. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me to keep me from exalting myself. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh is. And I think most of us could perhaps take comfort that I have a particular Bible, maybe that's my thorn. But the point is, God can remove the thorn. God can remove any obstacle. But sometimes he will use the buffeting, the lies, to keep us on our knees depending on him. The enemy has never stopped accusing me. Daily Hall, you've been in ministry a long time. And you know a lot of really effective Christians, and you've been a really effective teacher. Have you ever known an enemy to suddenly leave people alone when they're effective and walking with God? Not one. Not one. You know some good Christians, right? I do. You know Sheila, right? <laughs> no bad. Yeah. Right, Sheila, tell me, has the enemy ever left you alone? Not for a single moment. I think as long as you have a pulse, so it's not a white chalk mark around your body, that long. Is it this side of the grass? Yeah, I don't know. Betty, has he ever left you alone? Never. Never. Well, never mind. Why would he bother you? He waits for every opportune moment, you know. And that's what he did with Jesus. If, he, if after he's tempted Jesus, and Jesus has defeated him perfectly with the word of God in every instance, and yet he went away to look for a more opportune time. Is that him? Yeah. Can I break in a second? You sure can. Uh, why, why does the devil hate us so? I don't know. I mean, I'm a likable guy. <laughs> Remember John Wimmer used to say, I'm nice. I'm nice, nice guy. guy. Well, we go back to the Garden of Eden, and, and God had created humans to be a reflection of God. Satan does hate God, and so he jumps on the humans because they are to do the work of God. And uh, after the fall, there was a prophecy given. God gave a prophecy and said, there's coming a time in the future when the seed of woman will crush the head of Satan. Satan does not have foreknowledge. He has been hating humans ever since because he doesn't know when that one was going to be born. And so we have Pharaoh killing all the firstborn because hell is thinking, uh, this could be the time when that when that seed comes up here, so we'll just kill all the, all the kids. And then, of course, when, in the time when Jesus was born, Herod did the same thing. Let's kill all the kids because this could be the time that's a seed. Look, Everybody we're talking to here is a seed of, of, of Christ who is that seed. And God has a destiny and a purpose for every one of us. And it is to reflect God's image in this world. And Satan has come against us and will come against us trying to stop us from being that reflected image of God. We have to stand in the victory that Jesus has already defeated the Prince of God. Amen. You hear that? The enemy will keep us from doing that. And the enemy will tell you you can't do it. And he's a liar. So just call him who he is. 
and start standing. But notice Paul was there in the battle, and, and look how he dealt with it. He said, I asked the Lord three times to get it to go away. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've asked him down 50 times. How about you? But the, the enemy just keeps coming at us. But his grace, verse 9, is sufficient for you, and his power is perfected in the weakness, and in our weaknesses he's made strong. And we need to see that. It's amazing what God does with a yielded vessel that feels so weak and inadequate. And that I feel like I qualify as weakest of all, and yet God has done so many miraculous things that I could write living amazed because you can live amazed. But understand, he's not leaving you alone. Now look what Peter said. Go to First Peter 5, 8, and then look what Peter said about the enemy because he is like a roaring lion. I mean, he is coming at you. He doesn't stop. He doesn't give up. Uh, he is relentless in, in his assault. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Be sober and be alert. Be aware that the enemy is looking for an opportune time to attack. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you suffer a little while, the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And to him be the dominion and the glory forever. God wants to establish us in Christ adequate to withstand the schemes of the devil. Sheila, share with us something on your heart about the importance of us coming to a place as Christians to we so yield ourselves to God that we discover the victory that only he can provide. One of the things I've learned, one of the most important things I've learned, is that you cannot know the will of God if you don't know the word of God. Because when you think when, when Christ was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, three times the Son of God used the Word of God against the enemy of God. And, that, you know, Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything, just as Dudley was saying. He will throw a lie at us, but he doesn't know if we'll believe it. And that's why we need to have this. We have, need to have scripture in us. Like, I've already done a few. You feel condemned, Romans 8.1. So now there is no condemnation no. for those in Christ Jesus. You feel defeated. Philippians 4.13, I can give everything through Christ who gives me strength. We need to understand the power of the word of God, and then we stand in the completed work of Christ. Amen. Amen. Anything you want to share before we pray with everybody here? Well, I just know that my God loves me, and his word is a treasure for my heart. And I may not have it all memorized, and I, probably for a purpose, because I need to go to it to be refreshed. Because I can go to the scripture, have something underlined, and go and read it again and again and again, and it refreshes my heart. And I see something that I didn't see before. And God's, God is so precious. He's so gentle with our hearts and our spirits. He teaches us as we're growing. He doesn't get ahead of us. He grows, lets us grow through his word, and, and he doesn't give us too much to try to take in. He just gives us what we need, and I, I guess that's what blesses me so much, that his word is such a treasure to my heart that I can, I can trust it. But more than that, it's not just the words on the pages. It's the words that he plants in my heart and in my life and how he makes it alive as I live each day. It's not just having the words, but it's living the 
word. And that's what has become so precious to me. And, and I'll tell you something else that Betty has done. She has journaled. And uh, she's written things, and they become a treasure to her. And oftentimes she'll go back and, and read to me. I hope you'll make that a pattern in your life. I, uh, while I was studying today, I, I reached over in the flap of uh, one of my Bibles. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Haram Yes, Holy Spirit, Yes, Father God, we praise your name. Horomboske de Gosse, Shirikomboska, we seek your face. Rosikarakaha, thank you, Father God, Horomboske de Gomboska, Kandaka, Horoshere de Gosse, Dishka de Gombaka, Horoshere de Gosse, Raska de Gosse, Horoshere de Gosse, Raska de Gosse, Dicky, Hoska de Gombaka, Hombrashe de Gosse, Shirikomboska, Horomboske Horrendous <laughs> Shirakandi <laughs> 
from Brandy to go 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 to Sakra. 
Jan Rosker, the Hosedic, Prime for you, Munona you, Munona Mines, Supernatural Strength, Walker, Supernatural Financial Breakthroughs and Turnarounds, Jerry Randrogo Sergas, Afra, Rope and I guess in our fruits, Randrogo Sergas, Afra. And I can't think of anything else at the moment. Ability to persevere until the end. Rondo Gosish, Gosish, Gosuragas, Sakara, walking in the realm of supernatural. Rondo Gurando Gosuragas, faded in the pool. Sakara. All right, do it. to happen. And I remember having this conversation
enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile. I'm playing with you this morning. Go somewhere.
Yes, Holy Spirit, Romboska Radakanda, we Gradakosa, Deskurukumboske Deke, Harandeke, Sharaka, Amen. All right. Here we go. Then we're at it again. The emotion of a spiritual man is completely under his spirit's regulation. No longer asserting an independent course as it once did, it does not block the spirit nor resist its move because it does not insist upon its own affection and feeling. The emotion now rejoices solely in what the spirit likes. Hmm. 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 Interesting. The emotion now rejoices solely in what the spirit likes, loves only what the spirit directs, feels merely what the spirit permits. It has become its life. When the spirit stirs, emotion responds. That means you have to train your emotions or retrain your emotions. Mm. Now, as we talk about, if you make that choice and you do it long enough, wow, that's even in the natural. I'm talking about, like, you know, eating stuff that's good for you, but you don't like it. But you eat it long enough, then you develop a taste for it. So even though you don't like doing these things that are beneficial and good for you, you do it long enough, you adjust, and you begin to enjoy and appreciate what you used to detest. Interesting. I like the word interesting. I find the word interesting very interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I mean, and on that point then, how important is it that you like what you do? Think about it. An eternal value is what I'm saying. Because we talk about it, I know me and Eric and Mark talk about it a lot. You know, we do it, we just, it just gets on our nerves. But we do it anyway. But if you do it long enough, I can even attest to the prayer line. Because this Karakokba used to get on my Chandra Nerdicals and Nerves. And, and even time now, I do it, it's like, okay, yeah, well, fine, whatever. And even the time that, I mean, used to look at it, it's like 10 o'clock and we ain't off the phone. Now it's 12 and 1. It's like, okay, yeah, well, whatever. Interesting. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Interesting. 
The mind of the spiritual man likewise cooperates with the spirit. Wondering no more as in the past, it does not object to the spirit's revelation by <laughs> oof, by raising its reason and argument. Mm. Neither does it disturb the peace of the spirit with many confused thoughts. Ooh, Jesus. Nor does it rebel against the spirit by boasting in its own wisdom. Mm. I'm going to just let that one die, digest for a minute. And when we come back, we'll, we'll eat on that a little bit. Because that, that, that's a lot of meat right there. That, mm, I'm just talking about emotion. Mm. Okay. Quite the reverse. The mind cooperates fully with the intuition in advancing on the spiritual journey. If the spirit unfolds any revelation, the mind discerns its meaning. It will assist the spirit to fight should the latter plunge into warfare. If the Holy Spirit desires to teach any truth, the mind will help the spirit to understand. The latter, though, has the authority to stop the mind's thinking as well as to initiate it. So now, rather than fighting against God, we're cooperating, and because we're cooperating, things are happening happening quicker, and we're going deeper. Mm. I'm going to just leave that right there for now. The spiritual man also retains his will, yet it too is no longer independent of God, but now decides according to the dictates of the spirit, Having abandoned, having abandoned self as its center. The will does not insist upon its desires as before. It consequently is fit to obey God. No more is it hard and stiff, but it's completely broken. Mm. <laughs> Hence, it cannot resist God or strive against him. It has been tamed of all its wild nature, taming of the shrew in the spiritual sense. Today, when the spirit receives revelation and apprehends God's wish, the will decides to follow. It stands at the spirit's door like a courier, awaiting its every command. Mm, it's going to be some good meat here. That's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. The body of a spiritual man is subjected to the spirit as well because it has been cleansed by the precious blood and has had its passions and lusts dealt with by the cross. It can serve today as an obedient servant to the spirit's order as that order is communicated to the body from the spirit through the soul. By no means does it entice the soul into many sins by its passions and lusts as it formerly did. Instead, the body now answers swiftly all the spirit's directions. The latter, through the renewed will, has complete authority over the body. Gone are the days when the body is pressed a weak inner man. The spirit of a spiritual man has grown strong, and the body is under its power. Wow. 
The Apostle Paul has described the authentic condition of a spiritual man in 1 Thessalonians. May the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, 5 and 23 of 1 uh, Thessalonians. Hence, the portrait of the spiritual man which can be drawn from everything which has been said is as follows. Number one, he has God dwelling in his spirit, sanctifying him totally. His life inundates his entire person so that his every component lives by the spirit life and functions in the spirit's strength. Two, he does not live by soul life. His every thought, imagination, feeling, idea, affection, desire, and opinion is renewed and purified by the Spirit and has been brought into subjection by a Spirit. These no longer operate independently. Three, he still possesses a body, for he is not disembodied spirit, yet physical weariness, pain, and demand do not impel the Spirit to topple it from its ascended position. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Mm. Physical weariness, pain, and demand do not impel the spirit to topple it from its ascended position. Every member of the body has become an instrument of righteousness. To conclude then, a spiritual man is one who belongs to the spirit. The whole man is governed by the inner man. All the organs of his being are subject completely to it. His spirit is what stamps his life as unique. Everything proceeds from his spirit, while he himself renders absolute allegiance to it. No word does he speak, nor act does he perform according to himself. Rather does he deny his natural power each time in order to draw power from the spirit. In a word, a spiritual man lives by the spirit. Okay, that's only two pages, two and a half pages, two and a quarter pages. All righty then. Let me take a swig, say a little prayer. Ah. Rashka to the ghost, get it a gumbus, get it a gun, Rashka. Brushka to the ghost, she should run to the Brushka the Gossation, Rander Gossation, Rander Gossad, Rander Gossation, the Gosca, Hoskar the Gombrand, the Gossation, the Gossada, Rander Gossation, Discord the Gombuska, Harasha, Shakara. Okay, then. Here we go, Father. The emotion of a spiritual man is completely under his spirit's regulation no longer asserting an independent course as it once did. All that complaining, whining, what I don't like, I don't feel like, uh, why I got all of that stuff that we do. Comes from your emotions. Yeah, I, I needed to say it just like that. Because all of us, at some level, do that. I don't like that. I don't feel good. I don't want to do that. Why? 
why, why? What's the symbol in that movie? Nag, nag, nag. I can see the Holy Spirit. That's how he feels. There they go. Nag, nag, nag. But what he's saying, the emotion of a spiritual man is completely under his spirit's regulation. No longer asserting an independent course as it once did. Let's go back to what did he call a spiritual man, because I want to read it exactly like he said it. Now, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So, if you're setting your minds on the things of the Spirit, that means that you're a spiritual man. Does that mean you're perfect? No. Does that mean you got it all together? No. But you're making a choice to set your mind on the things of the Spirit and walk after the Spirit and letting Him lead and guide and direct you. And in the process of Him leading, guiding, and direct you, He will perfect all things that concern you. So now, get into our emotional state. It needs to completely be under his regulation. That means you have to get beyond what you feel like, what you don't like. Oh, geez, I'm about to really cut you now. And what you don't understand, I'm going to keep reading. Mm, mm, mm. The emotion of a spiritual man is completely under his spirit's regulation. No longer asserting an independent course as it once did. It does not block the spirit nor resist its move because it does not insist upon its own affection and feeling. The emotion now rejoices solely in what the spirit is not. That, that's when it got me right there. So, as God, we got to go back to the word process. Because that's what we understand. And what is it? What is a spiritual man? Someone who sets their mind on the spirit. Again, you're not perfect, but you're setting your minds on the things of the spirit, and then you begin to walk accordingly. As you're walking accordingly, there's a transferal that begins to happen. Your emotions now become under the spirit's control. Once you begin to get the emotions now rejoice solely in what the spirit is like, love only what the spirit is direct, feels merely what the spirit permits. So now that's what blew me away when I read that. It's like, oh, my God. Because what we used to nag and hate and complain about, we now enjoy. Come on. What we used to detest but did it anyway, we now look forward to doing What we used to and see, ooh, come here. What we didn't used to understand, but now, because we have submitted and been trained by God, begins to reveal to us. Come on now, ooh, Jesus. Cause see, we want to understand it from our point of view. We don't want to understand why I got to do this before the fact. Come on, shut it up, said that. We want to know why before we take that first step. That ain't nothing. That is nowhere near faith. Mm. 
So God will purposely keep it from you because if he told you, you wouldn't understand it anyway because you'd be looking at it from a carnal point of view. But it's not until you go through the process and you have died to yourself and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God have become alive inside of you, then then you can begin to get some spiritual understanding. Other than that, it's just knowledge. Wow. That's deep to me. I'm reflecting back upon, you know, my, my daughter's mom and some of the issues we went through. And, and when, when we buried her or had a service, and I didn't have any remorse for the most part. But I guess, and I did what I realized. I don't know exactly when I realized it, while I was going through it or whatever, but when I made a choice to be a man to help her, and I made it for three reasons, because I, I was a father, that was my daughter, that was a man of God, and I was a man. I said, I need to step in and help her, even though I didn't have to. But what threw me, and I, I'm, it's coming exact, because in that process, when I had a choice, I could have stayed in my emotions. I could have stayed in me, but I made a choice not to. And what I didn't know is that process would heal me. That's because I recognized later on I didn't have the remorse. I didn't have that hurt because God was healing me in that arena. But if I had stayed in my emotions, well, my my right, I don't have to. You know what happened. I would not have experienced the healing through the word of God and the spirit of God. See, that's what I'm talking about, why you got to get past your emotions. And your your understanding is so finite. You don't understand you. You don't understand the rules of the world and how God put all this together. No matter what you understand, you are finite. God is infinite. You can't even begin to touch on that. And he must reveal it to you because other than that, it's still just head knowledge. That experience taught me. It opened me up to a whole new level like, wow. Because I chose to face, to be obedient and to trust God again, in a situation where I could have. But I didn't, and I got healed, and I was a better man for it. My daughter's a better daughter for it. How, how would that have affected her in a negative sense? I mean, wow. That's just so deep to me. Our emotions, now, now I can stand and talk about it. And I, I, I emotions now rejoice solely with the spirit likes. And wow, that's just so deep to me. Wow, we got to get over ourselves. Mm, mm, mm. Look, we'll talk about yesterday. You know, this is graduate work that we're doing. God orchestrated and divined and built all of this, all the systems, the rules, and regulations. We are clueless. And the more that you know, the more you begin to discover that you don't know. So get over yourself. Get past yourself. Quit using yourself, your feelings, and your rights as an excuse. Like you said, it's a faith walk. 
Yeah, it's definitely a faith walk, and even more than that. Hey, I got something from um, a 365 devotional. And it says, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. You spend too much time and mental energy thinking about trivial things. Mm. Certain matters that have no value in my kingdom. Mm. The sense of sight is wondrous gift for me, but it can become a source of bondage if misused. Mm. You have such easy access to mirrors shining your reflection back to, to you in glaring accuracy. This is in conjunction with media images of people who look perfect makes it tempting to be overwhelmingly focused on your appearance. The same can be true of your home or family. This focus on appearance distracts you from the soul-satisfying pleasures of knowing me. Mm. When you seek me and enjoy the company of the only perfect person, Whoever existed, however, my perfection was not in my appearance, but in my divine, sinless character. I am the one who can love you with unfailing love and give you perfect peace. So don't waste time thinking about triviality. Instead, fix your thoughts on me and receive my peace. Second Corinthians 4, 18. In Psalms 36, 7, Isaiah 26, and 3. Amen. Amen. Don't get caught up in trivialities. Amen. The mind of the spiritual man likewise cooperates with the spirit, wondering no more as in the past. It does not object to the Spirit's revelation by raising its reason and argument. Neither does it disturb the peace of the Spirit with many confused thoughts, nor does it rebel against the Spirit by boasting its own wisdom. So first he talked about your emotions, getting your emotions in check. Now he's talking about our mind. The mind of the spiritual man likewise cooperates with the Spirit, wondering no more as in the past. It does not object to the spirit revelation by raising its own reason. Spirit's trying to tell you something, and you're trying to figure it out. Got to mess with y'all. Can't I can't help it because it's too it's too in our face. I'm supposed to do these conferences. How am I gonna get there? How am I gonna get the money? How am I just do it? How's it gonna work? Just do it. Spirit's revelation by raising his own reason and arguing. What is our reason and argument? I don't understand how this is going to happen. I don't have the fun. I talked about this yesterday. But God says just do it. Neither does it disturb the peace of the spirit with many confused thoughts. So first of all, you don't understand how to do it or what's going to happen. Then the confused thoughts, that's when you start really dwelling on it. (laughs) When you start really trying to figure it out. Oh, my dear sister, I was laughing because she's making me mad yesterday. 
about I understood what she was doing, but I like I was trying to get her to make a decision. She kept saying whatever, whatever, whatever. And finally I made a decision, but it was like I understood why because she is at a point where, you know what, whatever. I'm tired of trying to figure stuff out. I was mad because I'm tired of trying to figure stuff out. But it's just she got to that point and it's like whatever. I'm not trying to figure this out no more. Whatever. You, you let when it happens, it's gonna happen, and and, and we're gonna go with it. I'm I'm to the point that I'm subjecting my trying to figure stuff out because I get confused. I, I'm tired of being confused. I'm going to just seek the Holy Spirit to give me the peace that's needed. And I'm going to say, that's what we're supposed to do, Lord. That's what I'm going with. And I'm going to expect you to coordinate all things to flow together. But you just, it just, he just, he just got to take you through that process. That's all I can say. He got to take you through that process. Raising its own reason, disturb the peace of the spirit with many confused thoughts. Nor does it rebel against the spirit by boasting its own wisdom. Ooh, Jesus. Well, you know what? I think we need to do this. I don't understand. See, what happens is you don't understand why God's telling you to do this, this particular way. So you say, you know what? This way is much better because this is what I understand. Now, this is really what's going on within you. And you may or may not even be aware of the conversation. You may not even be aware of the dispute because you don't actually hear the conversation. But you know what happens? You will experience that anguish, that anxiety, that uh, that frustration, that nosebleed. Ooh, did I cut her? Yeah, I did. Couldn't help it. Because Because now... God's trying to get you to go to another place, and you don't see, understand, and life keeps throwing it. And so now, then you just go overreact and burn out. But it's a process. Uh, I just keep, and that word is so important. But again, because what, what is a spiritual man? Someone who sets their minds on the things of the spirit. You're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes, but you're constantly striving to move toward the dictates of the Spirit. And you're allowing God to groom you. You're allowing God to chastise you. You're allowing God to grow you up. Again, that's the process. Your process is different than mine. Your process is different than Erica's. Erica's is different than everybody got their own process. We need to get out of everybody else's process. Please. Because you know what? If you really look at your own, that's more than a notion. You got too much time trying to get you together that you really have very little time trying to get anybody else together. As I say, oh, I, my 390-year-old is my ATM. That's my responsibility. Other than that, mm-mm. And that's part, that's part of my process. That's part of my process. The prayer line, the things that he has me doing, is a place where we come together. Outside of God leading me to try to get you to see something, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to let you do your own process. Outside of me being led by the Holy Spirit to try to get you to see something, to reveal, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm not. That's you and the Holy Spirit. If you want to walk down that way, fine. You don't, fine. I really am because I really got too much to do in my own process. I don't have time to deal with you and yours. You can call it what you want.
But I'm trying to get that 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 beam out of my own eye, and it takes a hell of a lot of time, strength, and, and endurance, and patience, and long to deal with me, my process. So, hey, and if you call me whatever in your own understanding, praise the Lord and keep it moving. The mind of the spiritual man likewise cooperates with the spirit. Wanting no more as in the past. It does not object to the Spirit's revelation by raising its own reason and argument. Neither does it disturb the peace of the Spirit with many confused thoughts, nor does it rebel against the Spirit by boasting in its own wisdom. Quite the reverse. The mind cooperates fully with the intuition in advancing on the spiritual journey. If the Spirit unfolds any revelation, the mind discerns its meaning. It will assist the Spirit to fight should the latter plunge into warfare. If the Holy Spirit desires to teach any truth, the mind will help the spirit to understand. The latter, though, has the authority to stop the mind's thinking as well as to initiate it. Mm. The latter, meaning the mind, has the authority to stop the... The latter, should go to the Holy Spirit desire to teach any truth, the mind... Okay, I'm confused on that. The latter, which one's the latter? The spirit of the mind has authority to stop the mind. It has to be spirit. Okay, but bottom line, what he's saying is, now that the mind has gotten in proper order, it is seeking to assist, to to go with, to flow with the spirit. It is seeking to 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 to. So now, because your spirit has united, your mind has united with your spirit. It is. Now things are easier. It's not much of a fight. You're cooperating more. You're seeing, you're understanding more. So you're growing stronger. You're strengthening. And God can use you more. You're seeing more. Clarity. The spiritual man also retains his will. Yet it too is no longer independent of God but now decide according to the dictates of the Spirit, having abandoned self as a sinner. Now, I'm going to read that sentence again. The spiritual man also retains his will. You still have the ability to make a choice. Yet it too has no longer is no longer independent of God, but now decides according to the dictates of the Spirit, having abandoned self as a sinner. That's what Paul meant when he said that he is a bond, was a bond slave or a bond servant. I think it was a bond slave. Because yet he is free, but he chooses to still be a slave to Christ. I have the ability to, to say no and to do what I want to do, but I choose to submit to the dictates of my God. That's what Paul meant. He got to such a point in his journey that he saw, he began to understand the, the division of the three. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament, so I think he was quite aware and had learned quite an amount of truth. So he was kind of astute in what he's talking about. And see, the thing what I talk about when we talk about the more you learn, the more you learn that you don't know. The more you see, the more you understand that there is. And that's why he say. The, I, paraphrasing, you know, the the stronger I am, the weaker I am. The more I try not I try not to do something, I end up doing it. The more I try to do something, I end up not doing it. 
because he saw the struggle for what it is. Whoever I was talking to on the line the other day about hearing these different voices, as God begins to reveal to you these different voices, now you get to get clarity. Oh, because I, I, I told you I laughed the other day. I heard them arguing all day. They go at it again. I mean, I ain't going to say I ain't crazy, but I ain't about to go take a pill. I know who was talking. And they, so you begin to get an understanding of that, and he's saying you still have a, you have the ability to say no. You have the ability to go ride, go go to do what your body wants to do, your mind, whatever, but you have gotten to a point in your walk, you say, you know what, I choose to serve God. I choose to yield to what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. I, my choice is to ride or die with the Holy Spirit. So the spiritual man also retains his will, yet it too is no longer independent of God, but now decides according to the dictates of the spirit, having abandoned self as a sinner. The will does not insist upon its desires as before. Ooh, I want what I want what I wanted. It consequently is fit to obey God. No more is it hard and stiff. But it's completely broken. Bam! That should have got some of y'all right there. No longer is a heart and stiff, but it's completely broken. That's how God has to get us to a point to use us when we're broken. When we got tired of ourselves, tired of the results, that we've gotten tired of just tired. And you finally just say, you know what, Lord? That's why Erica said, whatever. I'm just tired. Whatever, Lord. I ain't even, I, I, whatever. You get, that's, you, when you get to that state of just, huh, I can't, you know what? Huh, okay, God, show me. That's that brokenness. That's that brokenness. And we fight to get to that point, tooth and nail. You don't want to get there. You try. We've talked about yesterday the nature of your flesh, the nature of your soul. It automatically is going to resist this. So you might not even understand that you're automatically resisting the things of God. You might... You might surfacely be telling yourself, I need to do this, but subconsciously you say, you out your son, run it or I ain't bothered. Don't you know I got better stuff to be doing? What is it? Don't worry about it. I got most important. I got a, I got a TV show and I got, I got to go out here and kick it. Okay, better than that, I got to do it my way. Don't you? Fast? I don't want to fast. I, 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 I got my own way of doing it. I, no, I, I don't want to do that. Your flesh, your spirit, it's got, it's got its own mind, and it's going to naturally resist the things of God. And that's why the battle is, is so intense. And you it gets you to a point like, well, Erica, I, whatever, dude, I'm just tired, mm, whatever. And he'll get you to that point because now you're pliable. Now you're going to, oh, you know what, Lord, sure. Mm-hmm, okay, that's what you want, fine. 
You're pliable. You're yielding. And he can use you in that capacity. You want to say something, Renee? Yeah, I was about to say, why speak of the affirmations of fools? You said what? I said, then why take on the affirmation of fools? Of foolishness? Yeah. Well, you can say you have a whole lot of better other things that you can be doing instead of what you're meant to be doing. Say that one more time. I said, why talk about doing the affirmations of fools when you're supposed to be doing something, then do it instead of taking on all, instead of making up excuses. Ah, okay, 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 I got you. So just go ahead and do it instead of talk about what you should be doing and just go ahead and do it. Exactly. The other day I was out and I was trying to get some stuff done that had to be done. Okay. So while I had some appointments to go get some other stuff done, I had to forego them. And they were like, well, you know, well, we can take it. I said, look, if I can see my way coming over that way, I'll come. If not, you'll see me tomorrow. And when I was on my way over that way yesterday, the first bus stalled. I mean, it was just things seeming like it just didn't want me to go. But I made it over there. And one thing that got me, for which was one of the holdups, I was over at my bank, and it was a guy before me, and he's getting mad at the machine. <laughs> so then he's hollering at somebody that's still inside the bank, but the bank part is closed. So they said, well, you're going to have to call this number. He said, I'm trying to get my money out, and blah, blah, blah. So I asked him, I said, is the machine not working? He said, no, it's not working. It had a sign up. It, it, it um had put a visual up on the screen saying that that um, ATM wasn't dispersing out cash. Mm -hmm. I said, well, how long have you been here? Well, I've been here for the last 20, 25 minutes trying to get some cash out. But I'm thinking, (laughs) you just just said that the machine said it's not giving out cash. (laughs) Okay, so I said, okay. So I wasn't trying to get out cash. I was trying to put money in. So I said, okay, well, if it's not take, if it's not giving out money, I'm sure it'll take money. Okay, so I tried, and it took the money I was putting into my account, and I got the receipt. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can do is just shake my head, because here you're so bent on getting things to happen when and where you want it to happen, but it was a clear statement saying that it was not dispersing our cash. Amen. So here it is. You just wasted 25 minutes of your time for something that properly registered. Plus two, you threw off other people in their time. (laughs) So I made it over to where I was trying to get to, and I had already made up in my mind because I knew that by the time I got out, my last bus I would have missed, and I wouldn't be getting home until about maybe 1 o'clock in the morning waiting on that quarter to midnight bus. So I said, well, I got enough money in my account now where I can go ahead and take an Uber or Lyft home. Mm -hmm. And that was just to basically make up for a lost time. But we tend to, we still, our our, our flesh still 
tends to gravitate to flesh like uh, magnets. Mm-hmm. What is so-and-so going to say? What are they going to think about me? Uh, I told somebody a couple of days back, I said, you know, being on foot isn't bad because one thing it's going to make you do. It's going to make you uh, decide what's important and what's not important. <laughs> and they was like, what? I said, you know, here it is. I'll say about a good high percentage of people that drive in their car, if their car should stop on them right today, they would have a phobia or a very dislike for getting on public transportation. And when I said that, it was a lady on the bus. She said, yeah, that's how I felt. My car went down, and I really didn't want to take public transportation. I said, but is it really as bad as what you thought it would, that, that you thought it would be? She said, no. She said, um, I could go by the gas station. I ain't got to worry about gas prices. Uh, I ain't got to worry about insurance right now because I could put it on hold until I can get my car fixed. I said, okay, so you named off some pretty good things, right? Yeah. I said, so basically for right now, you can kind of relax. She said, yeah. I said, people that know you, that, that know that your car is not working, they're not calling you anymore, are they? She said, you're right, they're not. That's one thing. You ain't got a car to take them. I said, so out of that, you have to see what's priority. Now, when you get your car back, Will your mind learn and still learn what's, you know, to do what's priority and leave the law for what's crap? So, see, in the meantime, like I said, with people that said they have to have cars and they're working cars, they have a care in the world. They don't have a care in the world until that machine stops them. Mm. They go into pure panic. They won't see the things that they can see in order to make the transition go more smoothly. Mm. But they go into a total panic, and the biggest panic is, what is people going to think about me being on foot? And now you got your folks that they got cars, too. You used to give them rides, but now they want to sidestep you either put on sunglasses and a hat and then put their head down when they see you, you may need a ride. <laughs> I mean, so there's a lot of things that people look like and they don't want to be shown. Mm-hmm. But then, too, if you got every, if you, if you got these um, shiny things and you got these shiny things to attract flesh to you, Okay, when you don't have that shiny thing anymore, chances are that flesh is not going to be bothered with you. Now, for their spirit, man is correct. Okay, they see you trying. They see you doing this. They see you doing that. It's all for the good. Okay, they're going to come out and step out and try to see what they can do in order to get your journey to be a little bit more comfortable. Or a little bit more understandable. But see, once you get back up on your feet and everything else, who are the first persons who always come by and then they smiling right in your face? But meantime, while you get hit by thunderbolts in your behind and rained on and all this other stuff, they were nowhere to be found. 
So you really got to not only strengthen your own character, but then pray for the other ones who don't understand, who don't get it. But then, too, also be mindful not to go back to where you just came from. Because what you came from is from your testimony to tell people about how you came out, not for you to go back, go back in and get stuck back in. Comments, criticism? Nope. Just got to get that flesh under control. Mm-hmm. The spiritual man also retains his will, yet it too is no longer independent of God but now decides according to the dictates of the spirit, having abandoned self at its center. The will does not assist, insist upon its desire as before. It consequently is fit to obey God. No more is it hard and stiff, but is completely broken. Hence, it cannot resist God or strive against him. It has been tamed of his wild nature. Today, when the spirit receives revelation and apprehends God's wish, the will decides to follow. It stands at the spirit's door like a courier awaiting its every command. So now your spirit has gotten to the point that is, okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? Let's do this. Let's do that. It's not combative. It's not fighting against. It's literally aligning. It's choosing to align itself to that which God desires to do. The body of a spiritual man is subjected to the spirit as well because it has been cleansed by the precious blood and has had its passions and lusts dealt with by the cross. It can serve today as an obedient servant to the spirit's order as that order is committed to the body from the spirit through the soul. So the order is committed to the body from the spirit through the soul. The spirit receives it, tells the soul, the soul tells the body, the body says yes. By no means does it entice the soul into many sins by its passion as lust as it formerly did. Instead, the body now answers swiftly all the spirit's directions. The latter, through the renewed will, has, been com- has complete authority over the body. Come, gone are the days when the body pressed a weak inner man. The spirit of a spiritual man has grown strong and the body is under its power. So now... The body no longer is pressing the soul into doing the stuff. The body likes to do this. The body likes that. And so it's saying, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And even to the point of the body where, where it's, 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 it's feeling it's, it's sickly, the spirit can take that over as well. The Apostle Paul has described the authentic condition of a spiritual man in 1 Thessalonians. May the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Hence the portrait of the spiritual man which can be drawn from everything which has been said is as follows. He has God dwelling in the spirit, sanctifying him totally. It's life in your day, in your day the entire person so that every component lives by the spirit's life and functions in the spirit's strength. So your life the spirit has taken over, and it is controlling you, spirit, soul, and body. It inundates the entire person. It, because the power of the spirit floods your whole being, 
It just flows over. God pours into your spirit and it just flows over into your soul, into your body. So I was talking about a body that's tired, a body that doesn't want to do this. But now because the spirit wills it, it will give your body the strength to press on because your will is is lined up. And it says yes, so now the spirit can begin to pour into your body, so your body will have the strength to carry out the dictates of the spirit. Number two, he does not live by soul life. His every thought, imagination, feeling, idea, affection, desire, and opinion is renewed and purified by the spirit and has been brought into subjection to his spirit. These no longer operate independently. Soul trying to do one thing, spirit trying to do another. Mm-mm. Soul is not lining up with the spirit. They're working together. And he's looking forward to doing the things that the spirit wants to do. Not not, not agonizing over it. Number three, he still possesses a body. For he's not a disembodied spirit. Yet physical weariness, pain, and demand do not impel the spirit to topple from its ascended position. Physical weariness, pain, and demand. That's natural things you're going to feel in your body. That's why I was messing with her about the nosebleed. I, don't, I, I got pain in my body. These are excuses of why we don't do what God has called us to do. I can't do it today. I don't feel good. Really? It's an excuse. If God is ordained for it to be done today and your body's feeling sick, then you need to seek the Lord for the strength, the healing, whatever that needs to be done. I'm not telling you from what I'm reading. I'm telling you from what I know, what I've experienced. And if you have an expectation, he will meet you. You think I really get on this prayer line every day because I feel like it? My body feels? No. There have been times before, we talked about before, the process, I wake up like 8, 9, I ain't doing today. Because my body, I'm done. I didn't have it. But God has built me up, strengthened me up, and grown me up. Now I do it as like whatever. I'm doing it while I'm working and doing other stuff. But the process. The process. So again, so quit using I don't feel like it as an excuse. Quit using I, I'm hurting today as an excuse. Seek the Lord. He'll give you what you need. But it's a process that he has to train you to get to that level. He still possesses a body, for he is not a disembodied spirit, yet physical weariness, pain, and demand do not impel the spirit to topple from its ascended position. Every member of the body has become an instrument of righteousness. To conclude, then a spiritual man is one who belongs to the spirit. The whole man is governed by the inner man. The whole man, which is your spirit, solely and body, is governed by the inner man, which is your spirit. All the organs of his being are subject completely to it. His spirit is what stamps his life as unique. Everything proceeds from his spirit, while he himself renders absolute allegiance to it. 
No word does he speak, no act does he perform according to himself. Rather does he deny his natural power each time in order to draw power from the spirit. In a word, a spiritual man lives by the spirit. And that is our lesson for today. All righty. I'm going to juice, so y'all can question, comments, criticism. If none, we do prayer requests, and I'll get off the phone. Why are you cooking that over there? Yeah, why are you cooking this over here rather than over there where you normally do it at? Over there, I'm over over there. Number one again. I missed that one. I'm sorry. No, you ain't sorry. But I'm going I'm to subject my spirit so I don't have to get caught up in my emotions. Please. Because you're going to build yourself. Please. But now you're going to have to let your spirit work in patience until I get to the point that I'm in my juicing. Okay. Yeah, amen. Hey, Sam. Oh, it's Renee. Hey. <laughs> As you said, but you don't get caught up in emotion. But we got to remember, we got to do for what we have to do. Because come judgment day, God ain't going to ask us why we didn't do it because of somebody else. Okay. Or for our emotions or our feelings. Emotions and, the, and your feelings, nine times out of ten, will put doubt on that. Mm-hmm. Like what goes down doesn't always
CashNetUSA.com, man. Okay. What did you put in your drink this morning? Hmm? What did you put in your drink this morning? I got stuff in my drink. Sanctifying him totally. Its life inundates the entire person so that his every component lives by the spirit life and functions in the spirit strength. That's what you wanted, dear? You want me to read it again? Gracia. Probably with a client or something. Ah. Ah. Okay. Well, while we wait on her to return, anybody else got any questions about anything? Okay, let me look at my phone. Charge, just put this one on charge. Ugh. Oh, Randy, go buscandy, get you buscarata. Oh, you decided to wake up now after I called you 25 times. Hmm? I ain't woke. I'm just moving around. Well, I'm making a call after that. I'm going to start with prayer requests. 
No, listen, my mom just called. Yeah, that was all. That's raised okay. So why is the red sitting here? Wait, is that right? No, that's not right. Oh, that's what it is. All right, okay. Prayer request wants to go prayer first. I put my hands on the chopping block. Hook it up. And pray for Nene. Brando Grande go see she go run the gander gander the gander 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 Rando go see she go see she go see she go see she Rando to go and draw score to come braka. Hmm. Choices. Choices. Yada to come boske to to come bote to the choices that you make. Rando to 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 come bo. Serakonde to go send and to go see she to go see she to go seek God regarding all of your choices. Yada to come bo. Some are gonna be harder than others. But you need to seek and then stand on what he tells you to do. Allow his word to give you clarity. Allow his word to give you guidance and direction. Allow his word to increase in your life. You will gain his spirit inside of you. He is increasing in you, so continue to press on, allow the fullness of that which he desires to do, to be manifested in your life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. I worth it, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. 
Who wants prayer going next? All righty then. Don't everybody speak up at once. Okay, pray for um, Shanice. All right, Father, let me pray for Shanice. Randal Gosishi, the Gosishi, the Gosishi, 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 Gosaraga, Randal Gosishi, the Randal Gosada Saka, Horoboske, the Gosanda, Shido Gosandike, Harandal Gosisha, the Gosa, Bosteraganda, Sharadogose, Shasirogosa, Da. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Your will continue to share to reveal who you are to her, Yeradoko. Continue to bless her, Yerad, and keep her. Randal Gosishi, the Gosaraka. Continue, Holy Spirit, to let your word teach her, Father, teach her how to move in the fullness of your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let me pray. Yes, 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 Father. Yet your word now will stir her up. Yet it go, sir. Your word will stir her up, Father. Run it go, sir. She'll go, sir. She'll go, sir. Rumble move her along the pathway. Yet it go, preserve her and keep her still where you want her to be kept. Yet it goes, in Jesus' name I pray, man. Amen. And Chris. Rande Yep, yep, yep. She will understand, Lord, as she moves forward. She will see even more clearly as she moves forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And your neighbor Brenda Hush got it a combo Father help her to be healed and whole. Help to remove the many wounds that she is suffering from, Lord. Continue to bless, increase, and impart those things that are needed so she can truly become the woman of God that you want her to be. Let her not fell down, but to rise up, Father, in the fullness of the presence of Power of God, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All righty. So let's cover all your uh, house. Did you also pray for New Bethel Church and the new restaurant? All right, Lord, let me pray for NBC. 
Rando Gosishi to Gosishi to Gosishi to Gosishi to Rando Gosso Gosso and Pastor Yeriko Rambrando Gosishi and what you're directing him to do Rando Gosishi to Gosishi to Sakandaka Rando Gosishi to Gosishi continue Father Rando to move Rando to everything yet along the path that you wanted let your word and your anointing cover and keep Rando to Gosishi to all that he that according to you have put his hand to Lord Yeriko face here to go and allow the word and the spirit and the anointed of God to carry him through. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know you got your little backup person over here. Yeah, I hear. Alright, we'll spread next. I would please. Good morning. Good morning, because you know I was getting ready to go with my countdown. Okay, cool. Works for me. I'm, I was just about to do it. I was going to do it to it. I know. I was debating. Mm-hmm. Why were you debating, dear? Ooh. Okay, you don't have to answer that. Ain't that nice? Mm, thank you. Mhm. All right, you ready, woman? Yes, sir. I'm gonna pray for your children first. Yet it goes. I'm gonna pray for his eyes. Yet it goes. Bran it goes. Say she. Yet it goes. Bo. Bran it goes. Say de. Haran de it goes. Bo. Skara. Dana it goes. Say it goes. Dana it goes. Haran de it goes. Sada. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Pray for you, Makia. Yet a contrary shed of Gombrando Gosishi to Gorando Gosaraga, Horandishka Gosishi to Gosishi Gosaraga, Sumbuska Dede Gosada, Hoshana Raganda, Shararakode, Shakara. Pray for you, sisters, showing Yaragandra Gosishi 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 Gosaga, Romboko, Siraganda, Shirgosi, Shakara. And your sister, her bosker, kumbosker, kosaka, shakonde, shakomba, shakoko, yorobo, sakara. Your sister, children, your sister, because I got everybody but you, huh? You ready, dear? Yes. Okay. Nirambodia just for you, I'm going to reread these three things again. He who has God dwelling in his spirit, sanctifying him totally, his, its life is 
inundates his entire person so that his every component lives by the spirit life and functions in the spirit strength. Number two, mm-hmm. he does not live by soul life. His every thought, imagination, feeling, idea, affection, desire, and opinion is renewed and purified by the spirit and has been brought into subjection to his spirit. These no longer operate independently. Number three, he still possesses a body, for he is not a disembodied spirit, yet physical weariness, pain, and demand do not impel the spirit to topple from its ascended position. Mm-hmm. Every num every member of the body has become an instrument of righteousness. You like those three things, didn't you? Hence why the delay on should I ask for prayer? Didn't even have to ask the question, did I? I mean you didn't even have to answer, you still had to look at some things you didn't want to look at. Do some things you didn't want to do. Hmm. I'm going to read this to you. The mind of the spiritual man likewise cooperates with the spirit. Wandering no more as in the past, it does not object to the spirit's revelation by raising its reason and argument. Neither does it disturb the peace of the spirit with many confused thoughts. Nor does it rebel against the spirit by boasting its own wisdom. Quite the reverse. The mind cooperates fully with the intuition in advancing on the spiritual journey. If the spirit unfolds any revelation, the mind discerns its meaning. It will assist the spirit to fight should the latter plunge into warfare. If the Holy Spirit desires to teach any truth, the mind will help the spirit to understand. The latter, though, has the authority <clears throat> to stop the mind's thinking as well as to initiate it. And see, this is the funny thing about all of this. This would be so good if, if real life didn't get in the way. Mm-hmm. I, I can see it. I can do it, God. But then here's reality. The lack the pain, the turmoil, the confusion. Lord, I see this. I understand what you're talking about. And yeah, but then you turn and you look. But Lord, I ain't got this. They taking that. This is hard. I don't feel like being bothered. Hmm. Hmm. I'll just read this. The emotion of a spiritual man is completely under his spirit's regulation, no longer asserting an independent course as it once did. It does not block the spirit nor resist his move because it does not assist upon its own affection and feeling. Mm. The emotion now rejoices solely in what the spirit likes. Loves only what the Spirit directs. Feels merely what the Spirit permits. 
It has its life. When the spirit stirs, emotions respond. You didn't ask for this reading again. You just asked to be prayed for, didn't you? Well, I'm gonna read this last part since I don't read it, but again, you know, won't leave nothing out, you know. So something. Okay. Okay. The spiritual man also retains his will, yet it too is no longer independent of God, but now decides according to the dictates of the spirit, having abandoned self as its center. The will does not insist upon its own desires as before. It consequently is fit to obey God. No Mm -hmm. more is it hard and stiff, but it's completely broken. Hence, it cannot resist God or strive against him. It has been tamed of his wild nature. Today, when the spirit receives revelation and apprehends God's wish, the will decides to follow. It stands at the spirit's door like a courier, awaiting its every command. Yeah. So, Lord, I'm going to just say, Father God, as you are dealing with your daughter, as she is wrestling with this, as we all are, Lord, hmm. meet her where she is at, but pull her up to where you desire her to be. She's wrestling with this, Father. She's upset, anxious, frustrated, confused, hurt. Like I said, Lord, all this would be good if we didn't have to deal with this thing called life. If we didn't, we could read and, and, and it would be a beautiful thing, but then when the reality of life is at our door, in our face, what do we do? How do we deal with it? Because, see, it sounds so good, but it hurts so bad. Sounds like a love song by Marvin Gaye, don't it? Love will make you do right when you want to do wrong. The struggle. The reality of it all. So how does she deal with the Lord? She must seek your peace. She must seek your faith. She must seek your word, your will, and your way that will carry her through the process that is necessary 
and needful, not only to break, but to tame and remake her into the vessel, the woman of God that you intend her to be. And that is my prayer for you today. In Jesus' name I say amen. Next time, just read. As always, confirmation. So if you were to say anything at this time, Now, before you even say something, I, I want to pull this up real quick if I can get it. Oh, Lord. So, if you were to say anything at this time, what would it be? But before you speak, I want to read this. You have to say what you heard until you see what you said then you will believe what you heard. <laughs> I choose to shut my mouth. <laughs> I heard that loud and clear. <laughs> I think you play unfairly. I really think you play unfairly. <laughs> you think I pray not play unfairly, I pray unfairly. <laughs> Both. You pray and play unfairly. Oh my God. And that whole thing wasn't funny right there. <laughs> oh God. All I say, baby, the struggle is real, ain't it? <laughs> You know what? Because I I had that too long. I haven't been on the call long, and uh, in your and what you just your encouragement. I had just woke up from a dream, mm. and the word that was in the dream for you to say say what you see is however that phrase goes. But the word that was given was survivor. Mm. And it was like in the dream, certain people, not everybody, but there were people walking around with tags around their neck. And someone walked up to me and said, oh, 
you're you're one of the survivors. And I'm like, what? She was like, your tag says survivor. And I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And so another lady walks up to me, and she says, no. And she pats me on my shoulder. And she's like, no, you're a survivor. And she points to her tag, and she pointed to my tag and said, you're okay. And she walked away, and I'm like, okay. And I woke up. And so when I called into a lawyer and asked about prayer, I was reflecting on the dream, like, do I need to have her pray for me today? You know, so then when you said what you said, I was just like, oh. And I had to look up what survivor meant, and I'm just like, wow. And then you read the thing, and it was just like, okay. So I'll connect. I'll connect. That's special. Yeah. Shall we have to look around? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, who's next? Oh, gosh. You can pray for me, but I have a request prior to that. Mm, What you want me to read, woman? I need you to read number one again. Santa mm-hmm. happened to walk into my office and I couldn't respond to you. Though I heard you, mm-hmm. I couldn't mm-hmm. respond. Yeah, I knew it was going to be something else. Yeah, sure. I mean, huh? Yep, D, yep, all that and so. <clears throat> Number one, are you ready, dear? Look, let me get my pen. Okay, I'm ready. He has God dwelling in his spirit, sanctifying him totally. Its life inundates his entire person so that his every component lives by the spirit life and functions in the spirit strength. I'll read it again. He has God dwelling in his spirit. Sanctifying him totally. Its life inundates his entire person. Say that one more time. Its life or his life? It's ITS talking about the spirit's life. Okay. Inundates, I N U N D A T E S. His entire person, so that his every component lives by the spirit, spirit life. And function in the spirit strength. One more time. Yes. He has God dwelling in his spirit, sanctifying him totally. Its life inundates his entire person so that his every component lives by the spirit life and functions in the spirit strength. Okay. 
And what exactly are these again? He's talking about due to the first Thessalonians five and twenty three. And that's first Thessalonians five and twenty three. And it says, May the God of peace sanctify you wholly. That's W H O L L Y. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then he's going on to break down what that means. Okay. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Anything else, dear? Uh, that's it for right now. Okay. I know it's just like you asked. I just got one question to ask 45 minutes later, but anyway. I did ask the question initially. It just fun something else. Hold on. Okay, I'll wait for him to call me back. All right, um, I'll start with your children first. 
Father God, we thank you for the grace, mercy, and favor, and the covering that you have over every child that is placed on that list, Father. Continue to move in their lives, their situations and circumstances. Continue to, Father God, to move them along. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being God. Keeping them holy as we just read in Thursday, 5 and 23, Father, so they can begin to walk down the fullness of what you've called them to do and to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And let me get the adults. Okay, so we got your job, your church, and your business. <clears throat> Let me pray for them men folk. Kenny, Rambo Koskara de Combrand to go Sesh to go Sesh to go Sesh to go Sesh to go Saragandaka, Rondo go Sesh to go Sesh to go Rondo Rondo go to the Gadada, Dedago Saraka, Hadike, and Boko Rondo de Gosa, Saka. Carlos, Rondo go Sesh to 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 go Saragandaka. 
Rondi didigo didigo sidigo saradigo daka yarigo didigo sakra. Yede buskrombuski didigo sidigo mbukra didigo sidigo Well, it don't matter because you're going to cut and hit me anyway. Uh, whatever month you talk to your father, make sure that you let him know that you're uh, speaking at the different conferences and stuff. And then even invite him to the one that's going to happen at your church. Got your dad, Tony, I mean your dad, Carlos, Kenny, Carlos got the, yep, Kenny got him, okay, now Tony. Randigo did go boko, do did go, Randigo say she to go say she to go say she to go Sandraka. Hmm, interesting. Yet it'll go bosket it a gumboko, she did go Randigo say she to go Randigo Sada. Hand Randigo de Shida de Gumboko, Rombo Karandega said the Yara de Gumboko. Ha, Yakara, in Jesus' name I pray, man. Now it's time to pray for Erica, 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 ha. Erica, I want to make sure you didn't leave the office and stuff so that you hear me when I pray for you, huh? Huh? You there? You there? I want to make sure you hear me now, huh? Huh? I'm right here. I hear you. Okay. Got a favorite pen because you might need to write some stuff down. I just saying, you know, I don't know, but I just say, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because guess what? I'm going to pray for you regarding these conferences. Isn't that special? Oh, Lord. She, oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Father God, oh, this woman of God had us chosen to say yes, to walk out, and to be used by you. Hmm. Strengthen and gird her up. For that which you are calling her to do, Father. Encourage her, Father. And I'm going to say place her in precarious situations, Lord. Hmm. Hmm. What do I mean by precarious situations, Father? I mean that, in the sense, just like she was at church, something's going to tweak or move her where she might start out in Erica, but she's going to realize, I got to let the Lord handle this because I can't. I choose not to. And she's going to submit fully, not getting in the way. She's not going to be concerned about what people think, what they might say. She's going to be only concerned about hearing and moving. Hearing from her father, speaking what he says to be said, moving and doing what he's called her to do. She's not going to Caught up in how they might feel, what they might say, or whatever. The only thing she's going to be, I need to make sure that my daddy goes, yes. 
Well done. Thank you, my good and faithful servant. So, Holy Spirit, Spirit, be the powerhouse that God has called you to be. Move in the manifestations of the giftings and the callings, the anointing you to move in. You heal, you move, you touch, you whatever he tells you to do. You stand in the gap and minister as he ordinates you to do so. You counsel, you teach, you lay hands, you speak, whatever needs to be done to position them so that they too can begin to Walk this thing out with the understanding and the desire that God has ordained for them to walk. They can move to that level. Because, see, you have been put in their path to help clear up some of the blockages, some of the obstacles, some of the bondages that are keeping them burdened. You have been placed in front of them to help remove that so they can rise up to walk in the fullness of what we just read in those three verses there. Those three verses of yielding completely spirit, soul, and body to the dictates of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. He don't play or pray fair. That's all I got to say. You really don't. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. All righty. Colin says, who's next? While you get into the second person, to the next person, could you read number two for me, please? Mm-hmm. Why am I not surprised? Because I need to make sure I got something. That's why. does not live by soul life is every thought, imagination, feeling, idea, affection, desire, and opinion is renewed and purified by the Spirit and has been brought into subjection to His Spirit. These no longer operate independently. I'll read it again. He does not live by soul life. His every thought, imagination, feeling, idea, affection, desire, and opinion 
is renewed and purified by the Spirit and has been brought into subjection to His Spirit. These no longer operate independently. One more time. He does not live by soul life. His every thought, imagination, feeling, idea, affection, desire, and opinion (laughs) is renewed and purified by the Spirit and has been brought into subjection to His these no longer operate independently. You need one more time, my dear? Yes, one more. He does not live by soul by soul life. His every thought, imagination, feeling, idea, affection. Desire and opinion is renewed and purified by the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, and has been brought into subjection to His Spirit. These no longer operate independently. You got it? Too bad they don't teach that anymore. Hmm? Too bad they don't teach that anymore. They don't teach a lot of this stuff, girl, please. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you say, Eric? What'd you say? It's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Well, you know, like Andre, I was talking to him yesterday. He and he said, you know, the thing about you don't get this stuff in the most churches. And again, that's but what do I keep saying? This is grad. This is grad stuff here. So, but again, going to the level circles of fellowship, five hundred seventy twelve three and a one. Oh, it is what it is. But, you know, this is why the church is missing it every single time. Because they're trying to reinvent the wheel. And this, for me, let me make that very clear. For me, when churches talk about straying away or getting away from tradition, this is mostly what they're talking about, other, you know, outside of those other things. Because when you talk about tradition, they're really, you know, a lot of people want to focus on, you know, protocols and how people should dress and how people should should present themselves. But 
they do not realize that's that superficial stuff, that's the surface stuff that people are going to focus on, but this is the meat, the underlying stuff that people do not see because they never knew it in the beginning. So when they take away and move away from tradition, they don't know what they're not getting, and they don't know what's not being talked about because they're only talking about um, being judgmental and looking at people and how they dress and how things should be um, presided or presented when they're talking about being in the church. Mm-hmm. Because when they talk about tradition, they're talking about, well, why does the pastor have to stand this way? Why does he have to wear a robe? Well, why does, um, you know, communion have to be on the first Sunday? Do you, can you not lean on the, on the, um, on the communion table, well, you know you're not supposed to run through the sanctuary. You know you're not supposed to stand up in the pulpit. You're not supposed to cross the pulpit if that's if you're not a person of the cloth who don't know any, don't know the word. Focus on the stuff that doesn't matter. That they're erasing the things that do matter, which is the word, and they want to reinvent the wheel and they want to create the worldly things that are welcoming to the people who don't know any Because guess what? I can tell you the word, and most of you all won't go and study for yourself. You're just going to hold true to what I say. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. I'm back on mute. Sorry. I'm not the only one. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm back. All right, who wants to burn next? Who wants to burn next?
All right, who wants prayer going once? Hey, Sam, pray for Brother Wade. He was in a car accident the other day. He said he's not doing good. Who was that? You remember Brother Wade? Wait, wait, wait. I know that name. Jerry Wade? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Father God, Randy go say she go Randy go the gander go the gander rombos get the go say she go Randy go say she go say she go say she go say she go Randy the gander go say she go Randy 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 go say she go Thank you, Father. Rumbo, skin it go station. Rand it go sada. Oh, yes, Lord. Yet it go say, dish, get it go, Rand it go say, help him, yet it did it. Heal him, yet it hold him, Father. Rand it go say, she go sada, kadaka. Continue, Holy Spirit, it go, Boska, it go, increase in his heart and his life, it go, Skarandaka. Rumbo, Koska, it go, Skarandir, it go say, she go, Braka. Continue, Father God. Yet it go, Boska, it go, Raska, it go say, she go, Kandaka. Koska, it go say, she go, Kandaska, it go, Saka. From Brandy to go say, she did go sada. For Randy to go say, yes, 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 Father. Yet it go say, she did go say, she did go say, she did go say, ah, now, Lord, yet it is Busca. She did go say, Sarakadan, Jesus' name, I pray, man. Lift and lift up, Let me pray for Kyle. Randy to go say, she did go say, she did go say, she did go say, she did go say. Brandon, we're to go say, she did go say, she did go say, she did go say, she did go say. How the gentleman call her on the go fish, the go fish, the go fish, the go fish, the Saragadaka, Koska, the Gumbo, Saragada, train area, or on the go fish, 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 And who else else is on that list, Lord? Randy go fishy to 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 go I've got what to give. <clears throat> what to give your son? I sacrifice his time and his talent. 
<clears throat> to do your will. So, Lord, we ask that you redeem the time, the energy, and all that he has put out today. Give it back to him 110% so that he can complete all that he needs to do today on his list, oh God. Watch over him and keep him. Cover him under the hands of your protection and under the blood of Yeshua, keeping him from all hurt, harm, and danger, violence, accidents, and repercussions from his obedience. And Father God, watch for him in his health, wherever his hand is, wherever he steps. Let him be blessed and protected. Watch over his family, his friends, and seven degrees of separation making sure that no other form against him shall prosper. Whatever he or they eat, drink, touch, or breathe, let it not cause them mental and physical harm for their for their good but for your glory. In the name of your show we pray. Amen. 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 You don't get smoke. I'll holler at you later. I have a blessed one. Hello? Hello?
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.